the fall brawl. Yeah, and I think that's probably the first fall brawl. Right, it is. The uh, main event is going to be Sting and Barry Windham. We've also got Ricky Morton and Ivan Koloff. We've got Dusty Rhodes and Kevin Sullivan. we got Nikita and Dr. Death taking on the Sheepherders. we got Rotunda and Brad Armstrong. They're in the Albany Civic Center in Atlanta, Georgia. They get a 5.4 rating on TDS. And this is Fall Brawl before it became known as a pay-per-view. So that should be fun, getting our way back machine. We've had lots of requests for the old stuff. Uh, well, September 88, here we come with names like Dusty Rhodes and Ricky Martin and Barry Windham and Nikita Koloff coming your way. And uh, then we'll have another poll that we'll throw up um, that you guys can vote on. But I just realized that uh, as we were doing this, I'm going to be out of town next weekend. Really? Yeah. Bruce and I are doing our farewell tour uh, in Crown Point, Indiana on Saturday. Yeah, so if you haven't made it out to see us and you're in that area, you should by all means come check us out. Crown Point, Indiana, this Saturday. And then on Sunday, uh, Bruce and I will be in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, that will probably be the only time that Bruce and I do a show in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're in one of those markets and you want to come see us, this is your last chance. BrucePritchard.com has the tickets. And then who gives a shit? you got to come see Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone. Tickets are on sale right now for C2E2 After Dark. Pretty fired up about this one. Uh, we've never done a show like this. It's going to be at night. Uh, there's going to be some shenanigans, to be sure. Uh, but showclicks.com forward slash event forward slash WHW83 has your tickets. That's S-H-O-W-C-L-I-X.com forward slash event forward slash WHW83. You can stash your tickets up there. They're pretty affordable as well. You're only going to get a great show, but you've also got meet and greet opportunities. 39 bucks is what you need to do. Uh, it's never happened before and uh, may never happen again if these guys can't get along. We'll find out. It's <laughs> what happens when in 83 weeks. A super show, if you will, on Friday, March 22nd uh, from 8 till 10 p.m. And uh, Chicago, bright lights, big city, pretty ladies. You think I'm going to be able to convince you to go uh, partake? And all that the city has to offer afterwards. You're inviting me to go out with you and Eric? I didn't invite Eric. I invited you. Oh, yes. I'd love to. In my head, they've got uh, some old watering holes there that mm. you're familiar with and I'm familiar with. and Rush Street. I think we could get. In, I think we could have some fun. We'll say that. All right. I can't wait, man. I'm looking forward to uh, another class next week and then maybe hit a WrestleMania or an Uncensored and... Keep the party going. You know, lots of uh, moving and shaking in podcast land, but uh-uh, me and you, we're still here because you got basketball, motherfucker. Only for another couple of weeks. And then? Baseball. Okay. All right, man. Uh, look at my uh, clock. I can't help but feel like it's about that time. In the middle of the ring right now, Jim Cornette. He's putting the figure four leg lock on Tony Schiavone. Conrad Thompson drops down with the microphone. He sticks the microphone in front of the mouth of Tony Schiavone. Do you quit, motherfucker? Do you quit? Tony Schiavone looks up. No, Court Bauer, you egg-sucking dog. I'm not quit. My career goes on thanks to Conrad Thompson. And we're desperately out of time. Tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on What Happened When. We're on. Right now, the MLW Radio Network, as well as on... Mm -hmm. Patron! Mm -hmm.
Why does it hide, Sneedon? I don't want to tell you. No, Precious, but you must. Fine, I'm here to tell you about promotional considerations you paid for my following. The what? Yes, you know. What's the gimmicks.com? With new items each week. If this is so, what happened when something directly within anything reached, Precious? I don't want to hear your lies anymore. They're not lies, they're truth, Precious. No, they are truthful. They are false. No, you got to trust the fat man who is now. No, he's not Precious. He's a liar. I don't need No, he's actually quite nice. No. Log on and get your glimpses from and friend in your life. Those are the research presses. No, must not trust them. They're truthful. Well then, Precious, let's go over to patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Want to be alerted, Big Hog? What the hell is alerted, Big Hog? It's a thing that you click on, you get to become one. Oh, that's better, but uh, yes, Precious, yes! No. This is a sellout. You're selling out. I'm not selling out. Yes, Precious. How about becoming a member of the Hot Ticket Express or the Swap Geek Nation? We've never heard of Hot Ticket Express. We've never been to Swap Geek Nation before, Precious. Well, we can go with the head of the fat man, Precious. Yes! They're both fat. Well, yes, it's true, but Tony is doing yoga. Uh, what's yoga, Precious? You don't need to know if you must ask, Precious. Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday for behind the scenes videos, live weekly chats, and new content each week. And by LewisRules.com. Get all this research from what happened when right now. But Lois, Lois, she's not tricky. She's not false. Whatever you say, yes, that's what I say. Go over to LewisRules.com. Get all your stuff from what happened when. And by Sneak You Eat You After Dark. Presenting Conrad Thompson, Tony Savani, and Eric Bishop. We don't want that nightmare. Yes, but you can go see them Friday, March 22nd at OBM Central at McCormick Place in Chicago. Tickets available at showclips.com slash events slash WHWNP Express. Yes! And by Starcast 2, coming to Las Vegas, May 24th at 26, as part of our Nothing Weekend. Yes, go to Starcast.com for more information, Precious, yes! Titus and Tate, a podcast from two obsessed basketball lovers. Twitter's a place for losers. I think the same thing about podcasts. I think you and I are losers. We podcast. We know we're losers. Most podcasts, you and I are doing it right now, are done over Zoom. I'm not even wearing pants right now. It's like, you know, we're going back to the... We're back to where we started, where you're just like kind of sitting... No, we used to wear pants when we, were, when we did podcasts. We've definitely gone... We've gone downhill. More than just analysts and stats. Titus and Tate, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Title cage and on these up 
Funk helped him Blair and Horseman, Garvin, Boogie, Magnum, Dusty, Express, Taxi, Turner, Bought in Mid-South Tour World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Rocket Promotions. We have first what they win, looks to body suck again. World title split off center stage, fish shop. Disney Hogan and Nitro, New World Order and the Crow. Under Russo, Arquette, Cass, Vinnie Mac, Simulcast. Tony Fast, Good Conrad, Not Your Classy Podcast. Want to watch or not to laugh? No, it's rules, cast back. Want to see if it's the plan? Talk things like a looking man. Want to like Bill, make a hit? Party, come over here. What happened when? WHW Monday. And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. You know, I asked Bill one time, I said, Bill, what would happen there we go. if you were with a girl, had no body odor or anything about her? He said, I'd go tell her to put some sweats on and run about two miles and then come back and see me. That was Klondike Bill. He liked the smell. Yeah, the, the dirtier, the it is just, that's the way he was. He liked the bodily fluid and smell. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I, my God is right. Oh, Hey, Slapdick, Tony Schiavone here. Conrad had too much fun in Las Vegas and is nowhere to be found. We should be so lucky. Uh, but I've been assured he'll be back next week. So what we're going to do this week is have some fun without him because What Happened When presents the best of WHW Monday. Tony gets extreme. Some might find it hard to believe that I'd never seen ECW before we started watching it for the podcast. But it's true. It is. The first episode we ever did on ECW was the first time these eyes had seen it. First time ever. And I quickly learned what else these eyes had missed. From our episode on Barely Legal, in one word, Francine. So here you go. I think you give us some commentary on what you're seeing. Woo. Come on, Francine. Oh, I swear, comes a scene set on my face. Francine, I'm in love with you. Is she, is she uh, <clears throat> she was dressed, Woo. Wait, hold on a second here. Thank you very much for the uh, security department waves here so I can see. Does she just have like a, a, a nigga? So what was she does? She's got a teaback on here. That's all she's got on. That's how old you are. You call that a teaback. What, what, what do they call it now? Thongs. That's a thong. Wow. Have you heard the thong song? <laughs> no, are you going to play that for me too? Do you want me to? Uh, yeah, I may have heard the thong song. I'm not sure. I think you probably have. Yeah. She's all live there, Francine. Oh, what's up? Damn, live. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm just waiting. So do they do some pretty good business with her? With Francine? <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Uh, they did a lot of business with Francine. Did they? Francine's uh, husband is a listener to this show. Wow. But he, he's in on the gag, though. He expects you to be Tony. Okay. D- does... Did he wrestle her husband? No. He's, okay. He's a real human. <laughs> and here's one of the, uh, uh, I, I think one of the more underrated performers. 
and and I say that because I always did like uh, Shane Douglas. Thought he was a good talker, had a great deep bass voice, uh, was very expressive, and could uh, could do a lot of good things. And uh, you know, there was that run that he had in WCW. He did some announcing with me, and I uh, liked him a heck of a lot. Go so there. Playing a little song song here for you. All right. I've heard this. I think sing it again. That's cool, man. Here comes the chorus. I'm going to need you to do this. Francine knows how to stand, man. Don't you know how to stand in the ring? You got to take that left leg and cock it out there to the left. I love that that's your compliment. Man, didn't Francine know how to stand? She did. Look at her. Look how she's standing. You, I mean, I always say that beautiful women know how to stand. And she knew how to, she knew how to stand. And I know her husband probably knows that as well. You know, ECW, uh, when they came back in the WWE, the name of the show, One Night Stand. No. Okay. So now they roll in a little high spot there with the franchise, Shane Douglas, who apparently is a champion here. Wow. Francine just bent right over there towards us. Uh, and I don't know what champion he is here. Is He's not the ECW champion. Who's the guy with the neck brace? Uh, the guy that that franchise put out. That is uh, Pitbull, but um, I'm going to let you guess his his real name. Uh, okay, so this is uh, the footage of Pitbull coming in the ring. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he just threw down a man <laughs> with a halo. <laughs> he grabbed a guy with a halo and. Yeah. And who is this guy with the mask talking, Tony? Uh, I I don't know. If I could hear his voice, I probably know who it is. Uh, as uh, I, I don't know who it is. Um, good God, what what what? Uh, I guess they're just showing old footage here, right? They're trying to explain the the backstory the, here. The backstory, okay. So this is Pitbull. Uh, I don't know who it is. What's his real name? His real name was Gary Wolf. Okay. He's passed on, I guess? I believe so. Uh, okay. I might, I might, no, that's the other pit bull that passed away. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So this is going to be what? Uh, another pit bull? Oh, yeah. Pit bull 2. Pit bull 2 comes in with a chain. Sort of like Mr. Wrestling 2. Yeah, Mr. Wrestling 2. So we got pit bull. Who got his neck wrench while he was in the halo, and here now is Pitbull too, and he is taking a fight to Shane Douglas the franchise and a big fat body drop. Oh, and a spin wheel kick off the right side ropes. So uh, Pitbull number two, uh, can you know the backstory on him? Is uh, he still wrestling? Did he uh, did he come to WCW? And I forgot who the fuck he was. As we know, I forget a lot of people. Uh, no, he did not. Uh, he okay. passed away in 2003. Okay. He died at just wow. 36 years old of a heart attack. Holy shit. Uh, he's from New Jersey. His real name uh, was, of course, not Pitbull. It was right. Anthony Durante. And he may or may not have had uh, some issues with the law once upon a time. Uh. But, yeah, he, uh, been re he started wrestling a long time ago. And... Um, 
obviously this was like his big deal. You know, I, I think at this point he's probably been wrestling nine or ten years, and I think he came through uh, Larry Sharp's school. So they go down to the mat, and they this is maybe the first grab a side headlock and sell it on the mat that we've seen in this entire show. What are we now? We're about a, an hour and ten minutes into this or so. Yeah, and they grab a headlock, and as you can see, the fans ain't buying it at all. Well, yeah, I mean, it really is sort of, I mean, everybody's on their well, feet. And, and and I guess well, there's a lot to talk about here. You've got two things going on. Go ahead. Who's Bubblehead over here on the right, down, down the, at ringside? That's, uh, but they escorted Shane Douglas in. Shane Douglas had so much heat here. Okay. He shook Gary uh, Wolf in the halo. You see another okay. one on the opposite side of it. Right, okay. But that was the security that, okay, I got it now. They're trying to really keep the fans at bay because they've had, like, near riots. People were chasing them to their cars and trying to cut tires and run them off the road. Whoa. Wait a minute. Seriously? Yeah. People took it very serious because, you know, this is a very local promotion. A lot of these people here live in South Philadelphia and know these guys in real life. And, uh, you know, they knew that he had a real neck injury. He really did legitimately break his neck from a single-arm DDT that was delivered by Shane Douglas. And he really did have to have surgery, and he really was in a halo, and it was a legitimate thing. And then Paul Heyman, of course, decided to turn it into an angle, which a lot of promoters would, and it had real fucking heat. So these are smart fans, but they were able to say, okay, this is too fucking far, and they took it serious. Well, I, I got to say that if, uh, if EC fans, ECW fans say uh, you've taken it too far, then you've done you've done good job. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... Let's hear it for Shane Douglas and all this stuff and, and Paul Heyman for doing that. Oh, did I tell you that I, that I got to see Paul when I was recently at Raw and uh, talked to him in the backstage area for just, just a tad? No, I didn't just, know that. Just, yeah, he, uh, he, didn't, uh, he didn't seem to want to talk to me, uh, which is fine. Uh, don't know why. I don't know why I would have heat with him. He was nice, but he was distant. Well, I saw him at the Hall of Fame. He gave me a lot of time. Yeah, you know, well, they, that's because you and he work for the same company. Well, that's probably right. It's fucking still out. Uh, so uh, they they actually would chase Shane Douglas out of the arena uh, and try to crash his car and slash his car. That is unheard of. That is that that's old school shit, man. That's like that's like the the story of Ole Anderson getting getting cut in Greenville, South Carolina. Right. And that's the level of heat that he had here. And, you know, he was off a run that maybe wasn't as awesome as he and a lot of people in the WWF expected. He was the Dean Douglas character up there. Did you ever see Dean Douglas? No. So he was a big deal here in ECW before he left. And he goes up there and they turned him into a uh, a teacher of sorts. And they send him out in like a collegiate like gown, almost like the genius. Sure. And he's in the back with a chalkboard, sort of scratching his fingernails on the chalkboard and sort of giving everybody a rundown of what their match would have been or could have been and what their grade was. And he called himself, you know, Dean Douglas. And it went over like a turd in a punch bowl, as you can imagine. Yeah. And um, he comes back here, and he's sort of anti-everything. He's anti-WWF. He's anti-The Click, Vince McMahon. He's anti-Eric Bischoff. He's anti-Dick Flair. Right, you know, he's he's just like sort of the anti-establishment guy, and he's calling himself the franchise because he was one of, I guess he was the first ECW champion. He won the NWA tournament in '94, and then threw down the NWA belt and picked up the ECW belt and called himself 
the very first ECW champion instead of the next NWA champion. So he's uh, a big part of ECW, and he's working a tag team wrestler here for the television title, but they're making it work just based on the heat. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, and you could just, you know, you can... uh... There's just, am I wrong to say there's, marry me, Francine, how about that? Am I wrong to say that there's a there's a different type of vibe in the in the crowd here during this match? No, I think it's it's an unenviable, an unenviable position to follow six high-flying Japanese, right. you know, almost cruiserweight types who are just high action all the time. And now you've got like a big bruiser type in Pitbull and a more traditional classic you know, wrestler in Shane Douglas. And I think it's really hard to follow that, especially when you've had, you know, lots of crazy action so far with the the tag team match, which was really more of a tornado match. And then you've got Rob Van Dam with the chair, just pulling out all the crazy hot spots. And now that's six man. And now we've got more traditional, hey, we're doing heat. And you can see Shane here trying to do the pile driver. and, And he's trying to tell a story here, which nobody has done so far in this show. It's just been crazy displays of high spots and whatnot, but he's trying to sell the, hey, he's trying to break his neck, too. Right. And, but, but again, it, it's like I said, for the first time in the show, we've seen someone snatch a headlock and go to the mat. So this is completely something completely different. And and again, I was just wondering if it was the, the legitimate heat that, that Shane Douglas had or that the fans just are not buying it because they want high spot after high spot, table after chair, after hardcore, after all kinds of bullshit. And they're not getting it here. But the fact is, we're getting a solid match from Shane Douglas. No, absolutely. If you're a wrestling fan, then, then you're probably a Shane Douglas fan because he's very much a traditional wrestler, you know, very good in the ring, a strong promo. He had a good character. He was believable. But, you know, if you were looking for crazy hot spots, he's probably not your guy. Um, and that's not a knock on Shane. It's just not his deal. But in fairness, you probably, you know, I don't know anything about booking wrestling, but I do know that if it's all high-paced, high-action, high-flying, eventually they don't matter. And so you've got to sort of get them up, bring them down, get them up, bring them down. And maybe that's what they're doing here because if they're going to follow this with, you know, some crazy hardcore stuff from Terry Funk or Sandman or maybe, you know, some crazy tables and flips with Sabu, you've got to be able to sort of take them up and bring them down. I'm sorry, I heard you talking, but Francine got on the side of the hard camera and put her back to us, and that took my attention away. You were talking about something, I don't know what it was. Have you Googled Francine? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have not. I'll let her husband do that. I don't don't think he has a problem (laughs) with you Googling her, but I do think if you Googled her, you would would find some things you you would be interested in, because she did lots of bikini shoots for the wrestling magazines back in the day. Uh huh. It's probably your thing. Yeah, well, I don't know. I why? Okay, I'm googling Francine. Yeah, t- type in Francine ECW and then just start clicking around and roll time. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, whoa, there you go. I am. <laughs> <laughs> go dogs! Wow. All right. See, that doesn't work. It, when you say go dogs about a woman, that, that, that doesn't work. Let's just stick with roll time. I ain't saying that, man. I have a lot of time for Francine, without question. But believe it or not, it's not the only thing that gets my attention. Anyone listening to this clip from our Heat Wave 98 episode can hear that I'm coming around to the idea that ECW has some pretty cool stuff going on. 
Much to the delight of our good friend and ECW diehard Conrad. I need you to call uh, this, Tony. All right. My God, they're going up top. What are they going to try to do? What are they going to try to do? Oh, my God, a Frankensteiner! A Frankensteiner off the top turnbuckle onto the table. ECW! 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 Where's Francine? Where's Francine? Where, that's what I've been chanting while they've been chanting ECW. How great is that? Oh, that's, that is absolutely spectacular. Wow. And then he, and here's my here's my only knock on that. How do you how do you continue after that, right? Well, now we got to set people on fire. Well, that would be the only thing left to do. I mean, like for instance, right? He just took a Frankensteiner from the top to the table. He should be dead. But if a bitch had some bitch go kick out. No, he's not. He got hit. <laughs> oh, they pulled the wool around on my eyes that time, and now. Jerry Lynn's going to pick him up. Boy, the referee just knows how to turn his back because, as we said, he is ball. Here come the girl now. Watch out. The real ass kicking will start now because she could actually beat everybody's ass here. Wow, look at this, how she picked him up with ease. Do a little crucifix stop, drop there, darling. Go ahead. Oh, cooter shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the cooter shot. Oh, God. And the fans pop for the cooter shot. Oh, good God. Is he going to is he gonna cooter shot her, too? Mm. Jesus. How great is that? Oh. The pickup spot kicks him in the ding-ding. <laughs> oh, Jesus. For just absolute pure entertainment, you can't beat this, man. Look at this. You can't. Pile driver on a woman. Tombstone pile driver on a woman. <laughs> okay, Cooter shot at one. He, he tombstone pile driver drove her on another. And meanwhile, where's my opponent? Oh, there he is. Let's go get him. Oh, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. There we go. Is it? This is the opening match. Oh, are you ready how about for this? Oh, my God. Tombstone pile driver off wow. the top. Oh, one, two, three. That's it. What do you think? I, every bit of four stars. Every bit, man. I loved it. Ah, yes, there. You know, he tried his best to protect uh, JL when he came off with that tombstone pile driver by, by tucking his knees that time and having him land. But something like that's going to blow out your knee as well. I mean, Meltzer would say that the uh, finish looks scary. I mean, top yep. rope tombstone, man, yeah. that's not something you're going to see very often. I loved it. No, no, that's one of those where you stay for a pay-per-view, I would hope. And see how, see how credible is uh, limping around? And look, look on the right-hand side. Jerry Lynn is touching his middle finger to his thumb over and over and over. Yeah. By the way, Jerry Lynn is going to be a star cast. He's, wow. a, he's a referee for all in. Oh, he is? Yep. Wow. What a, what a, what a night. What a weekend that is going to be in Chicago. Holy snikamoles. All right. I'm with you, man. And another Haviland Express Loop guy. Look, looks like they're uh, changing oil right now. Looking in my car. 
Uh, is, is this over? Is Nicole Bass going to kick somebody else's ass? She got it real slowly. Well, she's selling. Well, I know that, but, I mean, they got the, they got it all. I thought maybe the way she got up dramatically that she would just walk over and kick Jerry Lynn right in the balls. Wow. Here's my man, Lance Storm, buddy. Lance Storm was a hell of a performer for WCW. He really, really was. So clearly they cut out a promo or a package or something there because right. immediately everybody's out of the ring. And Lance right. Storm, before he was in WCW, was here as a member of the Triple Threat. Um, but before he had any sort of association like that. When he used to grab the microphone and said, can I be serious for a moment? I thought that was that was that always made me pop the way he would do it, looking serious amongst all this bullshit that was going on around him. There's the member of the triple threat I was referencing, Mr. Chris Candido. Here comes the That's main there. event. Look at oh, woo! Wow, wait a hole. Wasn't she in the WWF at this time? Yes, she was, but she had permission from Vince to come along and do this and. In a show in Louisiana, uh, during a table spot that went awry, Candido nearly had his ear removed. So he's wearing protective headgear now just to make sure that his floppy ear that's about to come off any minute won't come off here in the middle of the match. But speaking of things that are coming off, here's Sonny. Mm. I, I think about her every time I Skype you. <laughs> you do? Well, because, you know... I don't have to be Skyping you. I can Skype somebody else, but decide not to. Do you? Yeah, you're, you're, you're Skyping her. I, uh, I, you know, Sunny was with us at the NWA Fan Fest, the Mid Atlantic Fan Fest, and I got to see her and uh, work with her. I, I loved Chris. I loved her. I thought they were just hardworking kids. And uh, <sighs> another tragic story with Chris Candido, man. Yeah, it is. It's a little sad, but. Yeah, man, I loved him as a performer. You know, he was uh, he was a sawed off, jacked up motherfucker who knew how to work and was entertaining yeah. as he wanted to be. And how about yeah. this pose? Yeah, he's doing a Steiner thing here, isn't he? He is. Yeah, running around the ring like Rick Steiner. She's, <laughs> how about that? He's a lot better looking than the Steiner brothers, though. Oh yeah, well that doesn't take much. Uh, well, wow. Okay, so now we have seen. We have seen in this show, in the, in the first, what, how long have we gone? We've gone on about 30 minutes here. We have seen Francine, Nicole Bass, and Sonny. Wow. ACW huh? knew how to cater to their audience, did they not? They, 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 yes, they were. That's exactly what I was thinking. They absolutely knew what they were doing. Because I'm not so sure I'm seeing many females in the stands here. You know what? Let me uh, correct something we just discussed. All right. She wasn't here on special permission. She had been up until this point. She was fired two days prior. Oh, okay. She apparently violated her talent contract that expired in late 2001, and everybody sort of assumed that that was going to be coming, but she was mandated by the WWF at the end of June to undergo treatment for an alleged substance abuse problem or be terminated. She went to treatment, said she didn't have a problem, and then didn't undergo the treatment, and then never responded to their attempts to reach her. And they had agreed she could work somewhere else as long as she didn't use the name Sonny. And she didn't hear. She started referring to herself as Tammy Lynn Sitch, and then eventually just Tammy is what she'll be referred to here. And Meltzer would comment, Candido came out with Sonny, who looks like she hadn't slept in days. 
And she, I mean, she does in the Facebook a little different than we remember from her time in the WWE. But clearly she was in the grips of some personal challenges here. Right. That maybe still have some of her attention 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, uh, again, that's another, in, in many ways, tragic story. But, I mean, I mean take a look at, at the performers that they have to open up the show. I mean, you got Jerry Lynn, you got Justin Credible, you got Lance Storm, you got Candido. I mean, these are four. It, and I know a lot. I, that's why I'm glad to watch this with you. Because a lot of guys would say, oh, it was all garbage wrestling and, you know, they were just brawlers. And it's like, no. I mean, the four guys we've seen so far are legit fucking workers. And Shane Douglas, you know, he was out in the first segment. He is, too. Right. Like, so you've got five real wrestlers, like traditional-style wrestlers, not I'm going to hit you with a trash can and, you know, jab this knife in your back. Right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I really believe this, that, that being able to work a match still is what gets you in there. I, I, know, I know it's a male soap opera. I know it's a storyline to draw you in. And I do understand that, but you can have great storylines, and you go watch a match, and you go, man, that sucked. And, and that, lo- that whole storyline loses something. And uh, I still say a great work rate is what brings you in. Because you, you leave a match. Look, I, as a wrestling fan, I, I walked away from many matches, live events that I went to see, saying, that fucking sucked. And I, I pissed my money away. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, Blackjack Mulligan, I'm telling stories now. Blackjack Mulligan wrestled Thunderbolt Patterson. Thunderbolt Patterson came to Mid-Atlantic, and they uh, and he was there, and they had him wrestle Blackjack Mulligan at the Richmond Arena. And a friend of mine and I went to the Richmond Arena and saw that match. It lasted like three minutes, and it was a piece of shit. And we were so angry about that because it just the match itself didn't entertain us. This is entertaining. And the fans that are ringside are thinking, they're going to leave that night saying, boy, I got my money's worth. Especially the fans at ringside says, I just was uh, bullshitting with Nicole Bass, and now I get to look at the backside of Tammy, and I get to see some great spots, plus a Frankensteiner on the table from the top. So, yeah, I, I do appreciate all this. And, and, and Conrad, I didn't, as you probably know, until you and I started watching this stuff. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. So I'm digging it. There's one thing we're known for on WHW. It's hardcore analysis of wrestling's greatest moments. And when we run short of that, which is usually the case more often than not, it's big jokes. From our November to Remember 97 episode, I found out what gumming means. We also found out if someone said something about lasagna. Have, have mowed him over. It took a minute and 29 seconds. He retained... It gets half a star. Mm. Ooh. I'd like to apologize for Taz for talking over his finish right there. And uh, I, I meant no, no disrespect to him at all. Uh, so anyway, where does this uh, rank as far as... Look at this. Hoist his ass up. Wow. Uh, where does this rank as far as ECW events? Oh, it's one of the fucking worst. Really? Yeah, in the Wrestling Observer Reader poll... It only got thirty-two point six percent thumbs up. Oh my god! I, uh, I thought. Oh, you go get the, go get the microphone now. You want to talk over this, or should we just ignore it? No, we'll just, just ignore it. 
Okay. Well, I'm, not because I'm worried about pissing off. He's already mad. We said his name. We're not supposed to okay. say his name. <laughs> he would prefer if we didn't say his name. Yeah. I'm mad. Look at me. I got the microphone. I'm mad. Yeah. Hey, I brother. I heard somebody talking shit on this podcast, brother. <laughs> Who's that motherfucking ringside? He sticks needles up his ass, brother. That's what he's saying in real life. Like, <laughs> you know, because by the way, I guess we should tell you that's Brockus, who is on loan from the WWF. And there you go. He's pointing his ass saying he sticks needles up his ass. Well, wait a minute. They actually loaned people to Paul Heyman? Yeah. Al Snow is here on loan. Good God. Chris Candido, just incredible. A lot of those guys came down from the WWF. That's kind of unheard of in this business. Man, they were trying to do everything they could to counteract Ted Turner's money. <laughs> yeah, the juggernaut that was WCW. Can't stop that juggernaut. Oh, guess what? The motherfuckers stopped themselves. Ah. Uh, what the fuck? There doesn't a day go by when I just think about what we were. And, you know, and look, I, if I can, and I, I don't want to disrespect Taz here by talking about something else during what is obviously a very fucking hot angle. Uh, but uh, you've gotten to know Eric Bischoff. And uh, I think you can see why, just by talking to him, uh, why WCW uh, prospered under his uh, leadership. Fuck. He's beating the fuck out of this guy, isn't he? Holy shit. That, that guy was tapping before he put the move on. <laughs> we're we're going to hold on. He was fucking tapping. Okay. We interrupt this match to bring you Bam Bam Bigelow. Have you seen this? What, this spot? Yeah. No. You're going to be happy here. So Spike Dugley on the ground in the ECW arena. Yeah. Bigelow picks him up, presses him over his head, and are you ready for this? Oh! <laughs> I, I think we did see that. And now they're crowd surfing him. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> Are they going to bring him all the way around the ring? <laughs> they sure brought him all the way around the ring. Back to Bam Bam. Let him throw to the other side. Bring him all the way around the ring. Okay. Look at that guy with teeth, with the lack of teeth in his head. This must have been, this must have been an Alabama show, you think? They're at the ECW arena, you dickhead. Uh, okay. Just, what, well, then. They're probably up there with some of your relatives. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. I have a lot of Pennsylvania road. I, I heard that Mama Shivani would gum one. Is there, is there any 
<laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Nobody's safe from Nobody is Nobody is safe from you. <laughs> I'll talk about your mom. I'll talk about your grandma. Uh, fuck, I'll talk about your fucking ancestors that came off the motherfucking boat. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we getting ready to see Francine come out? <laughs> <laughs> so here you go. There's Tommy Rich doing some mic work. Of course, Tommy Rich and... Uh, Tracy's mothers, when you think about them, you know if there's one thing for sure, it's that they're full-blooded Italians. Yeah, boy. And, and so, they, they they sound like it, too, right? Yeah. And Tommy Rich is being introduced here as being from Nashville, Italy. <laughs> Somebody say something about lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Roll the credits. <laughs> we can't beat that. <laughs> we won't beat that. Somebody say something about Olive Garden. Who's this black guy with white sunglasses? Is this Jay-Z with a, with a tan? What the hell? It's all getting a ring. Oh, is, is this our buddy Joel Gertner? Hell yeah, buddy. Give me some Dudleys. You know what's wrong about this? What's wrong you know with what's, this? I, I have, uh, has, uh, has, uh, Bubba uh, got on the microphone to tell everybody's mother to go fuck themselves yet? Not yet. Okay. Uh, hey, I can see why the Dudleys are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, without question. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny, as uh, my, my good, for, close personal friend, as you like to say, Dave Milliken, yeah. uh -huh. was not the huge ECW fan I was. He thought it was okay, yep. but... He's more of a Memphis guy. Uh-huh. And so just to annoy him, whenever <laughs> we would be having a conversation with someone, I would say, who's the best tag team of all time and why is it the Dudleys? <laughs> and, and then I would ask things like, hey, top five tag teams ever besides the Dudleys, who are the other four? And it just annoyed the shit of him. But I could really make an argument that the Dudleys should be on that list. But when I started to say, oh, man, they're up there with the Rock and Rolls and the Midnights and the Steiners and the Road Warriors, people get really mad. <laughs> I, I Listen, I, I'm with you. I would have never thought that until I started watching these, these shows, but fucking love the Dudleys. Can you and imagine, I, let's just pretend for a minute this is possible, 1991's okay. Steiner Brothers against 1997 Dudleys. Wow. Wouldn't book it. They'd be killing each other. Fucking book it, man. Absolutely. I'd book it. it. Am I wrong to say that there is something that reminds me, <clears throat> when I see Gertner, that reminds me of David Penzer? I thought you Dark. said it was David Penzer sucking on an air hose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a science of little dick. Well, because that's, that's big dick in the ring right there. Okay, so big dick in the ring, and then I guess little dick on the outside. You you, oh, weren't, you weren't even there. Well, I'm just I'm just kind of freestyling. You you've heard that term, haven't you? Yeah, you're stealing all my shit right now. Yeah, yeah. Hypothetically, yeah. What are you doing? Rumor and innuendo. Oh, you're just fucking running through all my gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. Roll Tide well, on that. This is yeah. the greatest night in the history of our it's great sport, without question. But he butts in the seats. Yes, there. So is this big dick right here? 
Well, I'll let you guess. Do you think that's the biggest guy the guy? If you like retro video games, wrestling, or movies from the late 80s, early 90s, check out the Dirty Game Room on YouTube. That's right, Dirty Game Room on YouTube. It's full of reviews for old school games like WWF No Mercy for the N64, WWF Wrestler Fest, WrestleMania on Nintendo, and the Royal Rumble for the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, along with Contra, Battletoads, and all the other classics. The Dirty Game Room also covers movies and the games that came with it, like Terminator 2, Home Alone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Hook, and many more. And right now, the Dirty Game Room is offering a free hand-painted custom Cobra Kai NES to one lucky subscriber. That's right. A free hand-painted custom Cobra Kai NES to one lucky subscriber. All you got to do is subscribe to the channel to enter the giveaway. If you grew up in the 80s or early 90s, then it's a channel meant for you. The Dirty Game Room on YouTube. Pull out your phone and search the Dirty Game Room and subscribe. It's all retro all the time. And we thank the Dirty Game Room for presenting What Happened When. The name ECW conjures up many images for fans of the storied brand. One of them would almost definitely be the insane battles between two fearless and sadistic gladiators, Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. From the Anarchy Rules 1999 WHW, available in our archives, the unforgettable battle featuring impressive and perhaps unwise power bombs, regrettable chair shots, and, oh look, Frank Feeney. What move are you talking about? You thought something was coming and didn't hear? I thought he was. Oh, he's trying for again here. Check this out. Are you ready? Yep. Are you ready? Nope. Are you ready? What the fuck? <laughs> now, in fairness, Tanaka kept his head up, took it on his shoulders and back. Still, what the fuck? And look what at the, the crowd. Fuck? Listen. I, I get it. He kept his head up. But you still, hell, you could fucking fracture a vertebrae. Lower back. Blow out of shoulder. Look at that table. It's obliterated. Is Jeff Jones going to take a bump in this? I don't think so. Shit. Probably took one after the show. Can you imagine how many, how many quote-unquote rats... Uh, Jeff had to take care of after these shows. Mm. Of course, I'm talking about the Fleabag Hotel. I said, watch this move. You ready for this? Oh. You just fucking... I can see why you like to knock it just because of the fucking bumps he's taking. Dude, that's wild. Look at the size of this guy going off the top. Fuck. One, two, and he still kicked out. Well, why wouldn't he? I don't know. <laughs> after after taking, throwing him to the table. Jesus Christ. Got to take a share shot like a man, guy. It's ECW. Holy shit. Look at this. Look at this. Okay. He hit him with the top of the chair there, where the hand is. And that's the real hard part of the chair. That's the part of the chair that doesn't give. That part, when it lands on you, is going to do some damage. 
What year did Mike Austin take his life? Do you remember off the top of your head? Uh, I can find out. I don't think it was. I think it was like a seven, but I could be wrong. Jeez. Yeah, February 17th, 2007. And by the way, he pops up on Nitro uh, in April of 2000, so not too terribly long after this. Right. By the spring of 2000, both of these guys are gone. I would think as an athlete that you would be happy, maybe I'm wrong, just, just for your body's sake, happy to leave ECW and go to WCW. I mean, you would have to think that, well, of course, you know, we had a big TV contract. We were Turner, and I get that, but you didn't have to do crazy shit like this. Unless maybe you wanted to do crazy shit like this and thought, well, I can take this this act and take it to WCW, but a guy like Mike Awesome, you know, thinking, wow, I work at WCW, and I want to take all these crazy fucking chair bumps and table bumps and fucking crazy shit. Look at Jeff. Make sure it's the tables is upright. What do they go fucking do now? Okay, threw him out of the ring, back first to a table. This has got to be fucking. It's wild, isn't it, Bubba? Yeah, it is, man. Okay, got him on the chair. Going to center himself. He's going to do his big frog splash from the top. What if he is? Well, I mean, whoa. He's, uh, what's amazing about what Mike Austin could do here was that he did things that cruiserweights were doing. Right. But he could also sling your ass over the top rope with a power bomb down to the floor under a table. Yes. He could do whatever he wanted. Right. <laughs> yep, that wanted Jesus Christ. And Mike's looking around like, what? I won? I killed a man? I won? <laughs> now, what's going on here? Oh, Taz? I mean, this is a pretty cool deal here. Taz is doing what he can to sort of pass the torch and... Yeah, it's coronation is what it is. Quote, unquote, make a guy. And there you go. Mike Austin has got to run with the ball, lead the company now. Pretty cool moment, huh? I think it's great. And I think it's great that Taz did this. Shows a lot of class on his part. And he walks away, and there's your new champion. Great moment, man. How many stars? 
I'm so glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Three and three quarters. Hmm. Okay. Austin did a, here's what he, he wrote. Austin did a German suplex followed by a spear for a near fall. He used the chair off the top for a near fall, then delivered a weak chair to Tanaka's chest. Fans sort of groaned at that. Both guys wound up standing on the top rope with the table set up. Their footing wasn't perfect, and one of them losing balance would have killed the moment, not to mention both could have been hurt badly. Anyway, Austin delivered the power bomb through the table and got the pin three and three-quarter stars. I should mention that Tanaka here had quite the schedule, Meltzer would say. He flew from Japan to work ECW in Buffalo last Saturday, then flew back to Japan and worked through Saturday night in Japan before flying back to Chicago. So that's four 18-hour flights in a one-week period. That'll run anybody down. Yeah, I remember taking one flight from Japan back, and I it, it completely knocked me out the next day. I never thought that jet lag was real, but it was from Japan. How about four flights of that in a week? Jesus. That's a lot. I do need to say that. Okay. All right, Jeff. We got it. We we, we got your bangs. We, we get it. But I do need to say that. So he needed a judge for them bangs. <laughs> All right. Oh. So here we go. Fun little... Raven promo here. We'll play the audio. We fought an epic battle of mythic proportions. We had a friendship based on love and a hatred based on friendship. We were overcoming. We can't stop it. You scarred my face. You battered me unmercifully. And you took my girl. Oh, what does it matter? Oh, is it because you're Raven's girlfriend? No, I'm pregnant. The pills stay one day at a time, moron. What are you, an idiot?
we're showing lots of clips of uh, Tommy and Raven, one of the most notorious and iconic feuds in ECW history. And, of course, it all came to an end at WrestlePalooza in 1997 when um, Tommy finally beat Raven after years of never being able to pin him. And that, of course, happens because Raven is going to WCW. But he's back now. And unbelievably, the prior month, he returned to help Tommy beat the Dudley boys in a surprise. And nobody even thought Raven was in the company. But what they didn't know is that Eric Bischoff held a meeting in WCW and said, if you're not happy and you want to leave, you can leave. So that's your release. And they had one taker, and that was Raven. And he left, pops up in ECW as a surprise, nails the DDT, and the, the Dudleys are now off to the WWF. And Tommy Dreamer has finally gotten championship gold in ECW, but unbelievably, it's with his biggest rival of his career, Raven, the guy he thought he got rid of two years prior. Really, really well-done story here by Paul Heyman. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, uh, yeah, that's just good stuff. Man, this is, you know, this is character development. This is, and what I mean by character development, this is this is getting you, you identify with these people. Right. And, and that's what that's what he was so good at doing, apparently, and I was apparently unaware of. Still one of my favorites out of the ring just because he and I connected on so many levels with comic books and superheroes and fantasy and you know we liked the same thing he had a lot of great tweets about that were out there about Game of Thrones uh, just uh, just a cool guy man looks a lot different too my god does he ever I guess we all do there's our referee, or our ring announcer. Done that twice today, Steve and DeAngelis. But coming out, it's Joel Gertner to one of the biggest pops of the night. Meltzer would even say, Joel Gertner came out and got a huge pop, one of the biggest of the night for that matter, and called out Tommy Dreamer and Francine for an interview. And you're not going to believe what Meltzer wrote here. No joking here. Francine is even skinnier than two weeks ago. And while the sticked arms and stick legs and huge boobs is in, at this age, it can't be healthy. She almost looks like Allie McBeal, but even more facially drawn, except for the implants. Dreamer says he's not out there to do a babyface promo, and then kiss ass to the local fans talking about Sammy Sosa. But how, how dare he talk of Francine like that? I knew you were going to say that. Really excited. Here she comes. Mm. Wish I could say that. Real life. Wait, well, are you are you breathing? Are you are you with us? Yeah, I'm just I'm checking out the. Uh, yeah, I'm breathing. I'm just checking out the. I, I like her attire. I think it's very flattering for her. 
flattering. She knows how to walk. See how she puts one foot in front of the other. I think you could argue that's probably the best ramp scene ever looked. I don't know why Meltzer's being so... Uh... I, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, maybe because... I don't know. Maybe because she didn't call him. Mm. And it always helped the people that called him. Well, she knew how to get in the ring, too, didn't she? Sure. <laughs> oh, man. Shirk it on the way in. That's your jam, ain't it? That is. I need to marry this girl. She's already married, Tony. I, if she needs to dump her husband, I need to dump Lois and marry this girl. Let's do it today. Today? I mean, well, today. The, oh, look at her. How about Tommy knew what's up? Hey, I dropped my bill. Are you picking up? <laughs> I'd do it again. Let's drop it and have you pick it up on the other side. You just wanted to get the hard cam. Mm, they, yeah, the very hard cam at this time. Hey, how about our buddy Joe Gertner? Great help for us, isn't he? He's a man. He's a. I got a lot of time for Joel. Everybody does. Yeah. Not only that, his gimmick back then <laughs> was wonderful. Although, uh, uh, smart me up on the the neck brace. Was this part of an angle? This all did he always do this? Uh, he has had his uh, neck broken. Oh well, bless his heart. He's got a bow tie on the neck Isn't that great? That's why he keeps wearing it. It's good stuff. You know, I worked, uh, worked with Tommy Dreamer a little bit in MLW with him. A lot of respect for him. It's amazing. And, of course, I've been with him on his, you know, he's part of uh, Busted Open. And been with him on a radio show. Got just, uh, again... Thanks to you, and, and thanks to opening up my eyes to this. Like there, there, he's talking about Sammy Sosa now. Um, just a lot of respect for a lot of the guys, and he's one of them. And, of course, Joel, and then, of course, the lady on the right I'm just absolutely in love with. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a wrestling podcast. And keeping that concept front and center, we bring this December to remember moment to you featuring the most amazing entrance I've ever seen. Melina and her legs. Go dogs! Him is Johnny whatever he's wrestling for now. So he's in Impact right now, so he's Johnny Impact. Okay. And that became his deal. So he's been Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, Johnny whatever. The guy on the left is Joey Mercury, uh, who is a listener of this program. And they together are Eminem. And here comes the best female entrance in the history of wrestling. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, Melina. Going to make her way into the ring. One leg up. Oh, my God. What do you think is going to happen? Two legs up. There she goes. Oh, my God. How about that? thought you might. Wow. Is she still in the business at all? Uh, she still does uh, appearances at conventions and cons and things like that, but no, she's not actively involved on a, on a weekly recurring television role. Wow. Well, that was, uh, that was a pretty spectacular entrance. And a little tip to the cap to these, uh, I guess they're showing now some of the angles leading to this. How about that buzzsaw graphic they got there? Yeah, man, they're trying to make ECW look and feel different and more hardcore, but uh, it's really anything but. 
Don't you think, though, that on the surface, now just looking at this and, and hearing what you said about the show, that there was no way that the, an ECW could survive in the WWE universe? Well, it didn't. So, of course, it couldn't. Well, of course, it couldn't. But even going into that. Well, I think most people worried, you know, would they let Paul do what Paul does? And if they do, then it, it should work because he'll have someone out. You have to appreciate the theory and the thought process behind that. And as we're talking about it, here come the Hardy Boys. While not actually ECW originals, I think most would agree those guys with all their crazy tables and ladders and chairs and Jeff jumping off of the highest thing he could find, they would have fit in in the original ECW, don't you think? No, I don't think there's uh, I, <clears throat> without, without question. question. Yeah, thank. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that a lot of people thought, okay, the reason ECW went under was Paul was not a good businessman, and Paul needed somebody to help him sort of handle the financing and handle, uh, you know, the promotion end of maybe licensing or marketing and things like that. But when it came to the actual creative, the storylines, if you will. If they'll just let Paul do what Paul does, this could be a success. This could be a hit. And then I get that. That makes total sense to me. But it didn't happen. No. And none of these matches were really announced before the pay-per-view. There was essentially one match announced ahead of time and very little promotion. Ticket sales were soft. Pay-per-view sales were abysmal. And, you know, the show kind of sucks. Mm. I mean, it's a three-hour pay-per-view, and, and as you can probably tell from looking, it's two hours and 14 minutes. Yeah. So when you see a show go short like that, what's that tell you? <laughs> they said, fuck it. <laughs> they right. said, fuck it. If you listened last week, you, you get that. Exactly. I guess I should uh, tell you that the, uh, the figure four weekly – and I know your boys with Brian Alvarez these days, uh, the the headline of their issue that came out on the heels of this show was Heyman Down. And then the first paragraph is, WB seemingly put a bullet in the ECW brand Sunday night, December 3rd, after December to dismember pay-per-view in Augusta, Georgia, at the James Brown Arena. Come Monday, it turned out they only put a bullet in Paul Heyman. This was almost without question the worst promoted pay-per-view in company history. How about that? Okay, the worst promoted. That's what he's not, not the worst booked, and not the worst uh, work rate, and the worst production. The worst promoted, right? Yeah. In other words, they put in no effort into this thing at all. Well, I mean, you've got so this is the ECW brand, and nobody who's in the ring right now is actually on the ECW brand. Okay. So what does that tell you, Conrad? That tells you know what that tells me, and I know I'm into this um, this conspiracy theory bullshit that I think Vince wanted ECW to die. No, in his heart of hearts, I don't think he wanted it to die. I think he he wants all the revenue he can get, but I do think it's never going to be a priority. If it's not Monday Night Raw, it's not a priority, and I don't I don't think that can even be debated at this point. Tomato, tomato, maybe. And one of the Armstrongs is the referee here. Steve Armstrong. Who's now about that? Leave Steve. He's an agent backstage. Yes, he is. Well, Jeff, you know, Jeff Hardy's uh, kind of bulked up there. He's kind of slimmed down a great deal, of course. It's Scott and he's Armstrong, still getting quite a push to the WWE. 
Scott Armstrong, just so you know. Scott. All right, Scott, Steve, Brian. Well, they're, they're different humans. I mean, yeah, I know they're different people, but... I know, you know, at your advanced age, you probably just yell Matt, but don't care if Chris yeah, or right. whoever wanders over. Right. That's my advanced age. Get out of a chair, goddammit. Hey, so by the way, I feel like, you know, we haven't been talking about all the, the silly shirts that we've got going over at BoxerGimmicks.com lately, but right. I showed you one right before we went on the air where you, you just recently announced that you have officially renamed your penis. Right. Uh, Big Josh. And we've, Big got, Josh. we've got a Big Josh shirt. It looks like you're wearing a flannel shirt with blue jean cutoffs and an arrow pointing down towards your crotchal area, and mm -hmm. it says Big Josh. We've also got a sheep hooted. Life gigged me, fat Nostradamus, high spot fatigue, I like to whiz, Shivani coffee, wake up Conrad, they're here, dick to go, without question, somebody talking about lasagna. Uh, we have got so many new items over at boxagimmicks.com, it's absurd. So if you haven't already, go check it out. Of course, all your old school favorites are there. Tommy Young, uh, and of course, Loki, Big Hog, and Podcast Row, and everything in between. So, wake up, Conrad, they're here. <laughs> that is, yeah, and, and listen, uh, on the Big Josh t-shirts, the blue jeans is a tip of the cap to Blue Chew. Uh, at, at this point, what isn't a tip of the cap? I feel like, I mean, when you answered Skype earlier, I saw some lines chopped up on your desk, and I thought, man, he's not entertaining enough. For him to be doing cocaine, what is he doing? And then your desk started moving, and I realized you're over there trying to main vein blue chew. Main vein blue chew, right? Yeah. Hypothetically, how many of the boys in the ring right now do you think have tried a little blue chew? Uh, well, uh, I would think that if that girl was around, what's her name, Mar? It's uh, Melina. Melina, I would think she would uh, be worth the price of admission of Blue Chew, don't you? Have you heard, like, the uh, the sort of underground, uh -oh. cult-like following that supports a certain question in shoot interviews where whenever anybody's asking a question, and I think me and you have even gotten it at a live show before, where they'll set up a question that seems like it's very well thought out, and then when it's time to actually punctuate, they say, how big is Batista's dick? <laughs> Have you heard about this? No, I've not. Well, it's a whole thing. So, like, somebody would be like, so, Tony, when Monday Nitro was first announced, and you had been, forever been the voice of WCW and even Jim Crockett Promotions and a staple on the flagship show WCW Saturday Night and many of the syndicated shows, and you'd done wraparounds and called all the pay-per-views, when it finally came down that Eric Bischoff was going to be in the main seat and you would not be heavily featured on the show, how big's Batista's dick? <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of the routine. Okay. <laughs> well, the rumor and innuendo is that someone involved in this match can answer that question. Oh, gotcha. And I'll let you figure out okay. what exactly Jeff Hardy had to do to get <laughs> Batista to show him. <laughs> wow. Uh, 
All right, so here we've got a match going on. There you go, girl. Uh, we've got a match going on that has no ring, uh, no rhyme, nor reason, no... Did you say no ring, nor reason? <laughs> Are you just making up words you found in the library over there? No, I was thinking of, I was thinking of Harry Reams. What? 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 How do you even know who that is? I thought you were like a good guy. Anybody that, look, anybody that grew up in the 70s didn't know who Harry Reams was for crying out loud. I, I mean, I can't. I don't know what you're saying right now. Like, Wow, she's she's pretty spectacular. You know, this is not a half-bad match here, Conrad. No, it's not. And, and even in the, uh, in the sheets, it would get three and a quarter stars. Yeah. By the way, I should mention, their, uh, ECW is pretty famous for the chants. Right. And I know that you haven't uh, really heard any ECW shows. You've just watched them with the sound down. Uh, but there would be a chance where there would be clapping. Like, um, well, one without clapping would be like, holy shit, holy shit. Right. Or you fucked up, you fucked right. up. But then there are others, and they actually do one at one point. Which is, she's a crack whore. And so, what I'm hoping is, maybe for like a holiday greeting, yeah, we could maybe organize a couple of guys and do something special. Sometimes I ask a question and I get more than I bargained for from my good friend Conrad. For instance... On this clip from our Living Dangerously 1999 episode, I learned more than I ever wanted to know about one of wrestling's most notorious characters, the one and only New Jack. All right, there's nobody else left in the in the dressing room to come out. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Axel fucking rotten. And balls Mahoney. Mahoney is Mahoney, not Mahoney. I know what it is. Okay, well, we're just going to pronounce shit fucked up the rest of the day? Well, you know, that's part of our charm. Boy, you're an unover motherfucker. Like restaurant? By the way. Library? You're going to sit there and no-sell. This past week, I uh, had the great pleasure of being in Charleston, West Virginia, for the last time in my life. <laughs> and um, as we're waiting on the show to get going, I'm sitting in the back with uh, you and Dave Silva and Jim Ross, and a debate breaks out or a discussion breaks out, and of course, Jim Ross is holding court as only Jim can. And he describes someone as an unover motherfucker. And I've never seen you laugh with your shoulders more. Your shoulders were hysterically laughing. Well, he can get me going, and he knows that. And, and I told him, I. And this is a shoot, guys. I told him this. I, I'm sometimes I don't say much during matches. It's because I'm listening to him, and I'm enjoying what he is saying, how he's doing it. I'm kind of I don't know, being a fan, marking out for listening to Jim call the matches. I'm all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, I need to say something, or there's no reason for me to be here. But he is. And listen, I, I listened to the uh, I listened to the podcast when he had his flight delay and his baggage was lost. Wow, nobody like him, man. And we were having some fun in the back, dude. He is just another level. Yes, he is. 
I don't know when the switch flipped, but I'm glad it did. Here he comes, New Jack, wow. one of my favorite performers to watch in ECW. Maybe one of the most controversial men in the history of professional wrestling. And why do you say that? He's got a fucking vacuum cleaner. Why do I say he's controversial? Yeah, but because of the shit he did in the ring, or is there something else that maybe you brought up the story before and I don't remember it, something else that he has done that made him controversial outside of the ring, or maybe he has a rap sheet? I don't know. What is it? He has no knuckles in his hands, and that's from, quote, beating a bitch in the eye. Ah, uh, uh, he, He's got a bunch of bullet tattoos, and those are for all the justifiable homicides he has as a bounty hunter. He also uh, tries to pull a guy off of uh, a scaffold, and that guy falls on his head. He goes deaf, and uh, he has a rematch with that man in a scaffold match. And then he throws the guy off the scaffold, and he's trying not to let him land on the tables to break the fall, but instead land on a ring post and murder him. And He admits that freely. And then he cut a 17-year-old from uh, ear to ear, um, okay. and he uh, bled buckets, and they... Yeah, had lots of lawsuits about that. And then there was the time he beat up Gypsy Joe for real with an actual baseball bat in front of a crowd in the middle of a match because I guess that wasn't going his way. And then he wrestled another guy, and that guy gave him a shoot punch, and that was enough for New Jack to reach in his pants and pull out a Freddy Krueger blade and stab him 17 times in the middle oh. of the match. Uh, he also had a relationship with your great close personal friend Terry Runnels. Yes. Where he said that she get, gave him a lot of STDs, and then he released horrific pictures and videos of her, including where he convinced her to blade herself. Um, I mean, that's probably more. Should I keep going, or is that? No, no you've you've uh, you've done more than enough. Do you think is he uh, incarcerated anywhere? Oh no, no, no. I mean, all of her is he's a great guy. Sounds like it. I'll tell you this, he is the, one of the old kings of the shoot interview. Yeah. Just really next level. And he's in he's like in your old stomping guys, he's in Greensboro. Oh. Well, there you go. He um he used to like um, okay. try other things. One of the things he did was like a, a brief little hip hop stint. And his way of promoting his, his album was to say, buy the CD or I'll stab your motherfucking ass. I pretty much get it about him. What do you mean? Uh, enough said, as the, the late Stan Lee would have said. Um, what do you think about all these bald motherfuckers that look the same? Their name is the Baldies. Okay. That's their team name. They couldn't have a lot of hair with a team named, like, the Baldies. I get it. Okay, I get it. I just, they all kind of look the same. There's no uniqueness about them. There's a big spot in this I think you're going to like. Okay. Is that it right there? No. You'll know it when you see it. You don't have to ask. All right. By the way, see those ECW letters in the background? Yeah, you got those? Yep, they're in the warehouse. Trying to trade them to WWE. I still got a WCW thing for you. No, you don't. You've also got a six-man tag belt. I'm never going to see any of this stuff. That's what you do. See, when I say I'm going to do something to Tony Schiavone, that happens. 
When Tony Schiavone says he's going to do something for me, go fuck yourself. You're awfully bitter today, and I don't, I don't get it. I, maybe it's because we're watching ECW, or have you just taped a segment of Grilling Jr. and he's got you all surly as well? I, I don't know. What did I say that wasn't true, Anthony? Hey, how's uh? Let me ask you a question. Uh, how's Eric doing? Okay, he's great. Well, he's got food poisoning, but he's great. Oh, good, good for him. He discovered food delivery services. You know, they didn't have that in Wyoming. He had to cook his own food. There were no restaurants or bars. Right. So, uh, by the way. Notice what's happening here. Are you seeing what's happening here? Yes, I am. Describe what you're seeing. He's walking up a ladder. Who's he? he who, who? Okay. And, and what, what do you think is behind that November to Remember banner? Uh, I don't know what's behind it. But, it it uh, rhymes with a basketball goal. Oh, it's a basketball goal. And he is going to go on top of the basketball goal, which obviously is 10 feet. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Let me ask you this question about New Jack. In his advanced age now, which obviously is 30 years ago. 20, right? but whatever. 20 years ago, whatever. Is he all banged up? I mean, he's got to be. He's got to oh, be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got to be to the point where he maybe can't get around. Does anybody reach out to him? Does anybody know what, I mean, we, you know he lives in Greensboro. Yeah, he pops up every now and again. Yeah. You know, instead of meet and greets, he's got, like, stabbing eats. I would think that I would think that would be right. Yeah, I thought about looking for a star cast for an eat and greet, and then I was like, we can't let him near the cutlery. No. No, you're right. It's funny because I was uh, at one of the ECW arena shows I was at. He stabbed a motherfucker with a fork, and the fork was wrapped up with tape. and But you could see the fork at the end, but, like, the handle was wrapped with tape and it fell right in front of my seat me and my buddy and it's soaked in blood now the red tape I mean the white tape is now red from blood and he's like oh man do you want that and I was like no that's all yours buddy that's an ultimate new jack collectible I'm like right, well, you, you can have it did you know that when you do that, when you stab somebody in the head with a, a fork like that, they take a flat back? I need you to try that at dinner tonight with Matt or Chris. Um, no, I'm going to pass. gun spot. This must have been the initiation to be on Russo's podcast network. Bam. Staple in the head? Yeah. All right. Fuck. Uh, that's a New Jack original. He would put a little baby powder inside the guitar so it made a big puff. I thought that was really a nice touch. That was pretty innovative. And I, I, I think it's kind of what everybody did after that, right? I think he may have been the first guy to do it, though. Right. I'm, I'm saying he kind of set the standard after that. Everybody said, hey, yeah, that works, so we'll do it. Do you think he used to just put baby powder on his nuts? Do you think New Jack was like a look? Because we know he's handy with a razor. Yeah. Do you think he was like just a low-key manscape? I'm going to I'm going to say that I'm afraid to uh, comment about him. Oh, you think he's going to come stab you or whatever? You never know. You've told me some crazy shit that he's done as we take a look at him off the top. I love the way they used to shoot these where it was like at an angle, sort of like 1960s Batman. Right. Make it look askew. 
as excuse. All right, I, I want to say something here. Right, before you do, who would have thought out of this ring, New Jack, Balls Mahoney, and Axel, that New Jack will be the last one to survive? I <laughs> know. My God. Well, one thing you can say, if you, you're known to cut somebody, the people stay away from you. By the way, that match got uh, one star. Yeah. As Meltzer would say, um, he also smashed a vacuum cleaner on Angel's groin, allowing Joey Styles to say how that sucks. The match was built for one spot where New Jack would come off the top of a basketball backboard onto Angel through a table. It was probably a 12-foot drop to the table, exaggerated to 20 on the broadcast. They got in the ring, and New Jack stapled LaGrasso, but Angel hit him from behind with a guitar and pinned him. Angel looks to have some charisma. One star. I agree with that one star. Let me tell you why. It was just too much. I think there's a, I think there is a, and I don't know what that line is that you cross over where it's just like, it's like too much. And I, and I think that was it to the point to where the fucking match didn't mean anything. We're just, okay, he jumped off the top of a basketball goal 15 feet in the air or 20. And what do you do after that? Really? A guitar shot to the head wins it? I just think it was too much. To me, it got fucking crazy. Make any sense to you? Sure. Why'd you say it like that? I, I think it's that. I think it's a valid point. Okay. I know you better than that. You guys have had the most ridiculous hardcore matches ever in AEW in the last, you know. Yeah, but we didn't. Come on. We didn't do that. You had Joey Janela barefoot walking around thumbtacks. You put a guy through a glass coffee table. Just two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, you had Jimmy Havoc take a powerbomb on two folding chairs sideways. Mm -hmm. That was some good shit, wasn't it? That was way worse than... Oh, no, it was not. It was just, it was too much. This match was just out of control to the point to where, okay, here's the point. Too many people. Boy, too many people. Just, just say, I can't say anything negative about AEW, but I don't like this. So I'll but Hang on. Here comes. If we've got to put over Francine, we've got to put over my baby. Here she comes. Yes, sir. By the way, you would have loved Chris Candido. He's no longer with us. He died from a bullshit blood clot. But he's way too young. And right here, you know, Sonny is definitely uh, not, at her, not at the peak of where she was. She's in the thralls of addiction here, but she's still roll tide. I met Chris. They work for us. Sonny and Chris. Yeah, did. but I mean, you would have liked his work outside of WCW. Right. I know you love blondes. And, buddy, she is blonde and beautiful. By the way, as she was getting in the ring, they zoomed up her butthole there, and immediately Joey said, you can see a high-definition photo of that, a digital photo of that at ECWWrestling.com right now. Whoa. I love that they're just so shameless about, hey, go check out this girl's butthole, ECWWrestling.com. But she got plenty of clicks. Oh, I was on it already, I can tell you. I went out to look, just like another butthole, right? <laughs> 
Folks, one thing you have to say about WHW is that we have a lot of fun. And part of the fun, as you know, is when we get tremendously off-topic, as we do here on the recent episode on a very hard-to-pay-attention-to ECW pay-per-view, 34th Street Massacre. What's uh, great is last week I had what I thought was a great line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it murders in, in real life every time I do it, and I've been doing that line for at least 10 years. I know. I've, I've heard it a lot. And, and it crushes every time. Mm-hmm. But I let it slip on the show and immediately text you like, oh, wish I had that one back. That's Some people are going to look at that wrong, and I just need to pull that one back in. And you're like, no problem. I'll clip it out because I've got to clip out this word that I said, too. And we left. Yep. And then the show Perfect. dropped, and my fucking Twitter blew up with, with my line, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. And yeah. there starts yeah. the discourse. And it woke me up. Your call, your text, it woke me up, and I immediately ran to the computer. <laughs> called the fucker up, did my little magic, and reloaded the motherfuckers. Went back to bed. We, we got to uh, we got to get our shit together, Tony. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, speaking of getting our shit together, and I've got some really exciting news for you. Oh, I love exciting news. My life. Since I've met you, have been nothing but exciting news, one after the other. Well, I got a few things here for you. Okay. Do they involve money? No. Okay. Well, good. That's fine. Food. Kinda. Pussy. Yes. Ah, now we're talking. Great close personal friend of the show, Whitney Wright. Okay, we're on the right line here. Okay. She's won, uh, been nominated for a bunch, and I mean a bunch, of awards. I It does not surprise me. Like Girl, Girl, Saint of the Year and stuff like that. But how about Performer of the Year? Oh, congratulations for being nominated, Whitney. Dude, that's, this is like, it's like the Academy Awards of, of adult stuff. Right. This is like winning the Wrestling Observer you know, wrestler of the year. Right. The press release says, The Rising Superstar is nominated for Best Female Performer, Best Actress for her role in Sweet Sinners, What We Do for Money, and Best Girl-Girl Action uh, Scene for Sweetheart Videos, Girls of Wrestling. Wright is also an honored nominee for the Special Recognition Award for her writing and directing work this year, including Pure Taboo's Lesbian Revenge and From Afar, as well as Miss the X Titles, Obeying Instinct, and I don't know how to say that one. Either way, four nominations, count them, one, two, three, four, and uh, we're proud of her, man. She's putting in good work out there. Are you going to go to the awards ceremony? No, I'm not allowed. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good place to show up. In fact, anytime she does something, uh, like when she got nominated, I was like, hey, Megan, check this out. Whitney got nominated for these awards. And she's like, who? I was like, Whitney, you know, here I sent the video in for Tony's birthday. Mm-hmm. And she's like, who? And I showed her the picture. And she's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get uh, it. Well, congratulations, Whitney. Oh, and the rumor and innuendo, and this could be way off base. All here, right. Here's what I'm most excited to tell you. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, she's a huge Tony Schiavone fan. 
As a matter of fact, we need to get that video posted to social this week. So, Silva, Hancock, if you're listening, let's get that fired up this week. Do they listen? Yeah. Okay. Send a very sweet birthday message to you. That yes, she did. Starcast. It was great. Anyway, the rumor and innuendo? Mm-hmm. She's single now. What? And not only that, she's a big Tony Schiavone fan. Okay. And by the way, I should admit, this is just random, you know. I've got to make one cross-country flight by the end of the year to uh, get to diamond status on Delta this year. So I could technically jump on a plane between now and the end of the year to L.A. if you want to just ride out there and sit a spell and come back. Uh, well, that's intriguing, but uh, I got a lot of shit going on, you know? No, I'm only suggesting we stay for a night. I'll be your DD or whatever, and you can cut loose. I'll take you to Dan Tanis. Get you a little Italian food. We can go well, if, if I'm going to go out to California, I'm going to go out and see my friends out there, like Matt and Nick and Excalibur. Well, you see them every week. Why wouldn't you see Ron Funches? Congratulate mm-hmm. him on his engagement. Great close okay. personal friend of the show. Got a great girlfriend that yes, I met her. To know. And we could go out there and take them to dinner and see some comedy mm-hmm. and and you know, to see what sort of shenanigans you could get into. <laughs> we could make a date of it if you know what I'm saying. How's that diamond status? I don't know. Never had it, dude. Yeah, I've I'm, never had it. This is my first time, you know. But when I've had this many Delta flights in the same year, right? I'm uh, right now as we speak. I'm at gold status. I, I was gold forever in these last two years, thanks to the live shows. I got the platinum, but I'm only seven hundred and sixty-eight MQMs away from diamond, and I don't even really know what that means, but. Uh, other friend of the show, Corey Ryan Forrester, is like, oh, you got to get that, dude. Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you've just been booking and paying for first class. If you just get a comedy comfort, they're going to bump you up right away because of your status. I'm like, wait a minute now. That's a big difference fare-wise. He's like, yeah. So I started running the numbers, and I'm like, oh, shit, this could be like a tens of thousands of dollars swing here. i got to make this happen. So at some All point, right. at least for a day, I'm taking one. It didn't have to be cross country. I was just saying that for Whitney purposes. Okay, I'll oh. scoot up to New York and back or something and make it happen. Okay, so as you know, I'm trying to steer this conversation to any direction that would not get me in trouble. Uh, what I I'm seventeen thousand miles away from gold. First of all, I'm glad that Corey Ryan Forster told you that because I'm glad he's worth something. Yeah. Because he is, uh, as you know, useless. Useless. My question is, so I'm 17,000 miles away, and I can purchase 18,000 miles before the end of the year and get platinum status, which will cost about $600. Is it worth spending that money to go from gold to platinum, or am I just wasting money? No, I think it's worth it. Really? Because if you got upgraded on two flights over the course of the year, Mm -hmm. you'd be good to go. Is it in your contract that you fly first anyway? No, it's not. Then you I, pay, I, I pay for first. Don't do that. Really? Spend your 600 bucks. Okay. 
I, I mean, it, it, it's it, every flight that I'm on when we have, uh, you know, members of our staff, our crew get on the flight and I'm sitting up front, they'll say, oh, first class, huh? They don't know I'm, I'm paying for it. So, so we well, we got some uh, we got some juice here. Tommy Dreamer, this is the best fight on the show. We're talking right over it because I'm thinking about your little Peter meet and, and Whitney Wright. <laughs> I was thinking about my freaking flyer miles. Well, I was trying to get you involved with Whitney Wright. She's single. She's nominated for Performer of the Year, and he's a big fan of yours. And she's a very talented lady. Oh, that's I'm not gonna argue with. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Let's talk about something else. Oh. Congratulations okay. on your near-immediate sellout of the next AEW pay-per-view. Yet another one in Chicago. This one going down in February, uh, right after, uh, or it's the same weekend as C2E2. And a uh, great close personal friend of the show, Gabe Yoakum, is the guy, sort of the unsung hero who helped put that t- deal together. He was actually trying to do that deal in 2018 for 2019. But I think the EVPs thought, well, it's too close to All In, just in Chicago. Don't need to go right back to Chicago. But a year later, it made sense. And I know it's, uh, uh, of all the live shows you and I have done, you enjoyed the one at CTV2 the most. Yes, I did. Because... As you know, I'm a big mark for comic books and superheroes, and I um, I went to C2E2 last year. Eric Bischoff and I uh, signed autographs next to the Young Bucks, and this was before I even knew the Young Bucks and, and knew Dana. And, and I uh, I walked around C2E2, and all the money that I that I made, I spent. Got to meet some of the cartoonists, uh, famous cartoonists of Batman. Loved it. So I, I'm, and this is going to be the first show by AEW within the city limits of Chicago, and I can't wait to be there. Yeah, it's a cool arena, Wintrust Arena. It's a very cool building where C2E2 is, McCormick Place. And um, stay tuned. Uh, there will be a live show there, most likely two live shows, one of which will be Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross and, I'm trying to put that together to where we'll be able to do the show the night before the pay-per-view, like after you guys' production meeting. Mm-hmm. Come make everybody laugh, stay up late with us, and, and then get in the mode for the next day. And the next day, I'm trying to work out a little matinee show uh, with uh, another one of my co-hosts. So, oh, very cool. should be a full wrestling weekend, lots of meet and greets, and lots of fun live shows. and. It'll be it'll be a fun time. Every time I've been to Chicago for wrestling, I've been working, so it'll be cool to go and not have to. Right. So is uh, is Gabe gonna get me uh, get us the table on the floor? Did you not hear everything I just said? <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard that uh, we were. Yes. Okay. Good. Gabe, you the man, buddy. You the man. And I'm so glad. Well, look at Tommy's bleeding his ass off here. Hey, did I tell you about the attempted robbery? Have we talked about this at all? Mm, no. Yeah. Bunch was there, was dude, there a bunch of was fucking there, dudes in masks, dude? Where, where? Here, at the Conradison. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm are, you be, are you being serious now? I want to make that up. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Why do you make up a lot of this shit on the air? Go ahead. What if I made it up? Just some things about me wanting to go to 
she would. But anyway, no, well, I what's the... you made that. Uh, no, no, no. I was offering to go with you. Look at this okay. guy. Is this the towel boy? Yes. Eric Tuttle. Eric Tuttle. I have relatives who are named Tuttle. Tommy. Ah, way to give it to him, Tommy. Tornado DDC. Yes, there. One, two. Oh, and he kicked out. There you go. All right, so please tell me about this robbery because uh, I hope, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. But go ahead, tell me about it, first of all. No, no. Go ahead. What do you hate to say? If they came into your house with mask on, I hope you. I hope they somebody killed them. Mm. Well, that escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. No, there was a bunch of dudes in masks, and, I mean, they just tried to, like, take over. And luckily... Their only violence is when they were trying to punch me, but they missed by several feet. And I realized, this must be the dark order. They're not here to hurt me. They're here to recruit me. And then I realized, ah, it's just no holds barred Christmas. It was Matt Coon, Michael Dawkins, okay. Rotten Crotch, Hancock. But, no, you got to appreciate, a bunch of fat dudes in masks come in, start throwing terrible working punches that miss me. I assume it's the dark order. I didn't realize that it was actually just my friends. Playing rib. Like this whole story is. Yeah. Come on. Dude, if I can't fuck with you about the creepers, <laughs> what can I fuck with you about? <laughs> no. I, I thought for a minute that really you, that somebody broke into your house. And that's why I said kill them. By the way, I'm just being a bandwagon <clears throat> dude because me and you have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I think those two guys, I'm talking about the wrestlers in Dark Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uno and Grayson. They're getting a bad rap on this whole deal. What, why are people being shitheads online, for real? I'm just fucking with you just because you're my friend. Yeah. But I don't understand why people are so down on it. Well, people are shitheads online because people online are shitheads. Like, their matches are good. It's a different gimmick. The recruitment videos they've been doing, even though they think Louis Benson and Conrad Thompson are the same person, were fucking definitely different people. I'm funny and entertaining. He's annoying. So we're way different. No comment on that? Yeah. Uh, you you are. There, listen, um, there is nobody in the world like Weird Louie. <laughs> no. Louie's another level weird. Oh, there's no... There, Sweet guy. You know, well, I'm not shitting on Louie. Louie's my friend. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, weird. I love Louie. Louie's a talented guy. And not only that, now that we're talking about him right now, He's probably replaying it and replaying it and jacking off to it. Well, that we're talking about. All of these terrible impressions you hear at the beginning of the show that I don't even know are there, and people ask me about when I'm in public, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We don't have impressions on our show. Unless Mm -hmm. it's me doing Diamond or Tommy Rich, this old carburetor. And they're like, no, at the beginning of the show, promotional consideration. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying right now? Then I listen to one, and I'm like, God damn, this is Louie doing the world's worst impression right here. What the fuck is Tony Schiavone doing on our show? So anyway, if you hate all of that, you hate Louie just as much as I do. <laughs> Louie doesn't do all of them. Uh, just for the he's, purposes of our story, Tony. Okay. He he, he just, okay, he's been doing most of them lately. Okay. WHW can be inappropriate, crude, thanks to Conrad Thompson. But once in a while, we can eventually talk about wrestling. 
On all counts, you'd have to consider Conrad and myself guilty as charged. Here are a couple of highlights from two episodes covering ECW events of the same name. Guilty as charged, 2000 and 2001. I mean, have you Spider-Man before? No. I've always felt like you would be like a monkey in your cage at your house. You told us before that Lois won't give me any and that you guys have hallway sex. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, that's when we walk by each other in the hallway and say, fuck you. So I just assume that when you're in the Batcave, you're probably pulling up some old Whitney Wright videos, just wearing yourself out. And then she walks by, and like a monkey at the zoo, instead of him flinging poo, you're flinging goo. You know, and, and I think Tony flung goo. It's not just a dish at your favorite Asian restaurant. It's also... Uh, I'm sure that LoisRules.com? <laughs> oh, God. I guess we can tell the truth. I mean, that's the reason you know, WCW went under, is there were so many you know, cases of you waka, 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 and then just throwing it at the Nitro girls as they walk by. <laughs> What? You have. <laughs> it's a new low for you. What did I do now? Yeah. Tony killed the business. Tony's a shitty announcer. Tony is a suck up. Tony's a piece of shit. But now, Tony's a fucking degenerate dirtbag flinging cum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say it like that. You just made it sound real bad. <laughs> you made it sound like real bad. Oh, Jesus, gravity. Uh, and it wasn't real bad. Yeah, jeez. Speaking of, look at this, man. Holy shit. That would just scare the fuck out of me. Knowing his reputation, seeing him come to the ring with all that shit. Yeah. As well as should, man. He'd stab a motherfucker. One of the all-time greats. I wish you could have been there to see him. I know a lot of people are going to laugh when I say that, but being at an ECW show when he was doing his thing, man, it was, it was fucking cool. Oh, yeah. And you can better believe there's going to be some blood here, isn't it? What the fuck is that? He just... Okay. Oh, God. Let's see. What's this? This is a staple gun? No. Oh, it's a, it's a cheese shredder. Ah, oh, fuck. It's a what now? A cheese shredder. See, cheese has two E's in it. I like the way you're doing that. Cheese shredder. That's pretty cool the way you're doing that. Thank you. But <laughs> an old pervert that flings cum, not too bad, huh? I really can't believe you're talking like that. You know, we're trying to do good, clean show here. And yeah, really? <laughs> Our show's clean? Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, someone, uh, I saw someone recently describe your your weekly visit on Patreon as lifeless. And it really made me happy. Really? Yeah. 
Well, why don't you have a weekly visit on Patreon and bring some life into it, fucker? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it made me happy because they clearly listen to the show and know that Lois has just sucked the life out of you. <laughs> and not in a good way. Not in like a Francine, Steve Carino kind of way, but just like, you know, well, my life is over. Yeah, I'm here, guys. Yeah, she's downstairs. Yeah, yeah, wrestling. Please kill me now. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking on Patreon, you should do, you should do some 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 raps. Some raps. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but yeah, I think that would be. I mean, everybody's talking oh. about the button. Okay. Speaking of the button, did we ever tell everybody about the uh, the, the very special present you got at your birthday party back in November? Because I don't think that the button was discussed. No, we got a, a plaque, and uh, Dave Silver was holding a plaque close to him, and I'm thinking, those nice guys got me a plaque. Isn't that nice? I wonder what the inscription's going to say. And then the little fucker turned it around, and it was a button on a fur coat. You didn't like that? No, I, I, I thought it was thought it was very thoughtful. And Lois said, you're not going to put that up in the room, are you? I said, yeah, of course I am. It's part of the charm of my friends. So, yeah, I got the button on a fur coat on a wooden plaque. On a wooden plaque. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Isn't that great? Great. Awesome. I feel like you're not telling the truth. No, I know. I, I really, gosh, the, hey, Conrad, that was one of the... Uh, that was one of the biggest days of my life. Well, it's nice to hear. It was. No one's ever... I've never had a birthday party, ever, even when I was younger. And now that you're very, very old, you know, each one could be the last one. That's right. Let's get him one before he goes. <laughs> this is over in the Conrad Thompson section here. Let's see if we can see me here. Mm, they're walking away from you now. I think I saw you right when they... Tumbled over in there. Man, I love New Jack. And by the way, what a great gimmick he has. Hey, I'm going to just come down to the ring while they blare rap music, and I'm just going to bring a trash can of weapons, and I'm just going to hit you with all of it. So if you'll just sell them all, that'd be good. <laughs> sell them all. That'd be good. And if you don't, we'll make sure you do. The hard way. <laughs> Haven't seen any much blood here yet. Oh, don't you worry. Fuck. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this week's Tony Reed's rap. Do you want me to give you a preview? Oh God, I thought we. I was hoping you forgot about that. Listen, if you want to make that a New Year's resolution, we can make this the last one if you'd like. Mm, well, no, because you get pissed off at me. No, no. Well, I, this show's about you, buddy. Can you, it's not can about you shame me. me. I shame you. Yeah. Try to make me feel bad. We had something good going. Fans loved it. You shit on it. You know, no, no, like I won't do that. I will just, we'll just do what you want to do. Next, no, week, see, see, next week we'll see. do show tunes. <laughs> 
I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night and still have begged for more. See, isn't that nice? I'm for it. <laughs> so, next week, Tony does show tunes. No. What? What 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 rap song you got for me? Well, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, I'll see. Me, 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 me. I'm still working. I'm still working on it. Okay. Oh boy, they're promoting the acclaimed hardcore revolution video game here, aren't they? Big time. Oh, and they lost the sign. Put the sign back up. It's the most WCW thing ever, is it not? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Put the sign back. Ah, crazy motherfucker. There's just no way. There's no way that you can do that bump and not hurt yourself. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yikes. There we go. Try, we to, call, some try, try to call this. Left hand. Left hands. Here's Lady Profusely. New Jack. Into the stands. Who's he wrestling again? Nick Grimes. Nick Grimes. Here's a look at him once again. Oh, that stupid motherfucker. What's he thinking? He's going to kill the business. Nick Grimes is who took the table bump. <clears throat> that's uh, that's Angel dragging him around by the nape of the neck. Okay. Wow. It's like everybody else, but New Jack is bleeding here. New Jack may have internal injuries. Yeah. I guess so. So, uh, what's new on your uh, New Year's resolutions list? Uh, I want to lose some more weight. Okay. I kind of like, uh, I got lost 50 pounds, and then I gained three of it back. Went from 219 to 222. I want to get down below 200 or around 200, so I want to do that. I'm also going to buy a bicycle. Okay. And I'm going to go, I'm going to ride on the uh, the trail again. Right over in Alabama. Okay. On the Silver Comet Trail. And uh, hmm, that's about it. Oh, I want, I want to do some improvements on the house. Don't know if I'll be able to or not. Why not? Pay off bills, obviously. That's first. And I'm doing that. I'm very happy to say I'm doing that. So that's about it. Maybe get some pussy. Really? Yeah, but I don't know if that'll happen. Who's going to be the victim? Well, it's got to be Lois, and I, I just don't know if she's, you know. Wait, wait, wait. Who decided it's got to be Lois? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I, I did. Okay. Unless there's somebody else you have in mind. <laughs> I love you. 
<laughs> Is there somebody else? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, you talked to Whitney. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I can line that up. You know, she's single now. You're teasing me now. No, I'll hit her up right in front of you right now. I mean, I was texting with her. She, she signed up for a Patreon, Tony. No, we've not. Okay, so I think you'll like this. And, and shout out to Danny, who I believe listens to the show. I know he's a, a, a great close personal friend of Jeff Jones, and I know we follow each other on Twitter, so he probably listens to the podcast. But he's one of the first guys to come through Taz's school, and oh. they had... Um, like a dojo, old school style, old school type uh, training facility uh, in Philadelphia that that ECW put together, and Taz was like the head trainer, and Doring was one of the very first graduates, and Taz would, I mean, he beat the shit out of the guys in in terms of just their conditioning, and I mean he it was very old school respect. So you hear a lot about how you know Buddy Lee Parker would wear the guys out. At the power plant. Same thing happening here in Philadelphia. So for you to go through Taz's school, you definitely paid your dues. And Doring did that. But the idea here is that he's going to be a more classic wrestler. So as everybody else in ECW is doing these crazy flips, so they're doing these hardcore matches with all the weapons and violence and brawling, he's just going to, like, grab a dude and put him in a, a headlock and lay down. And the crowd would start to chant, Boring. And he would think they're chanting for him, Doring. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> so that that's the, the idea of the gimmick now. That doesn't last long. He eventually just becomes just a, a good in-ring wrestler, and they pair him up here with um, with Roadkill, and that became a thing. So him and Roadkill are your tag champs. And Roadkill, are you familiar with Roadkill? <sighs> Haven't we done a show with Roadkill on here? Yeah, I'm not sure if we have or not, yeah. but he... Uh, his original name, I think, was Amish Roadkill. So the idea is he's an Amish person. <laughs> so we have an Amish gimmick here. And what he would do with this big beard uh, and the no mustache and the big hat and the, well, he's dressed like an Amish person. He would just wring his hands together right in front of the camera and go, chicken. <laughs> I don't know why he did that. I just know that he did. <laughs> well... <laughs> So, I mean, I really need you. The Amish, okay. The, ne- next time, you know, Lois is like, Tony, what do you want me to cook? <laughs> I want you to go over and chicken. I'll wring my hand to get right in her face. I think it'd be great. <laughs> and then if she gets mad, just get that bitch a billy bar. <laughs> chickens. Well, chicken. Uh, the Amish raised chickens, I guess. And he liked chickens as roadkill, right? He, I, I don't I'm trying to, I don't know. The, the idea is, of course, there is no roadkill if you're Amish. You're doing clip claps, you know, horse and buggy time. You, you're, uh, you're not throwing people in your forerunner. Right. So there is no roadkill. Right. But it's still funny. Just him wrestling in this Amish getup is funny. <laughs> there you go. So easy money, you actually saw a little bit of in uh, WCW and... I find it to be an interesting garb here because he's got these interesting pants and they're sort of see-through. So you can see that homie's wearing a black thong. Ugh. What are your thoughts on uh, wrestlers and thongs? You for it? Uh, no. Well, hang on now. You were all excited a minute ago when Don Marie was out there in a thong and Francine was a... 
What's wrong with all easy money song? It's just, it's not me, man. It's, what the fuck? What are you, what are you trying? You're, you're, this is entrapment. That's what this is. It's entrapment. How? You're trying to make me, uh, okay, if Tom Zink was in the thong, maybe so. Okay. Okay. So now you're just playing favorites. Yeah. And what's wrong with playing favorites? Well, nothing, I guess. Okay. Watch out. Here we go. Over the top! Oh! Holy shit. Did Roadkill hit the back of his head on that safety rail? Fuck. Oh, my God. This is uh, not going to be the best match on the card, but it's not the worst either. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get a star and a quarter. I guess we should sort of tell you the backstory. Meltzer wrote, in what may have been the swan song of the promotion, ECW promised a holy shit surprise, which prompted debates over methods of promotion today, as well as if there is any future left with the company in the wake of losing its New York television, canceling next month's pay-per-view, and not even producing a new TV show in the go-home week before a pay-per-view show. Guilty is charged on January 7th before a sellout crowd of 2,500 fans at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York was the usual ECW show. It came across, with the exception of the return of Rob Van Dam, as more of a regular house show than anything special on pay-per-view. Everyone worked hard, and there were some booking holes that were gigantic. But good or bad, and it was more good than bad, that news paled the comparison to the big news. After the show, Paul Heyman was still saying the company wasn't going to shut down. However, there are only two shows left on the schedule: sold-out shows and uh, I'm sorry, sold shows in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and Pine Bluff, Arkansas, this coming weekend. At press time, nobody had gotten plane tickets for these shows, which is out of the ordinary, but not unheard of. There was a March 11th date for the next pay-per-view announced during the show, although no venue was announced for the event. But ironically, with Rhino versus Van Dam for the title and Dorian and Roadkill versus Whipwreck and Tajiri versus Credible and Carino for the tag titles, it appears for the first time in a long time that there is a logical show-to-show progression coming out of this one. It is possible to promote pay-per-view shows every other month without any television or running few if any house shows. UFC survived doing it for seven years, but UFC is one of literally dozens that have tried, so the odds aren't good to run that way. Unlike ECW, however, UFC haven't had a $100,000 per week payroll to meet, but without a backer, those days of even attempting to meet that kind of payroll are over. Like UFC, ECW does have the brand name and cult following, and more importantly, it has the entire 40 million home pay-per-view universe to draw from, on UFC has limped along with only the Dish Networks in Canada, which probably total 20% of that figure. Tony, you're knee-deep in the wrestling business at this point, January of 2001. You're worried about the uh, the mortality of, what a maneuver, uh, of WCW. Yeah. Are you keeping up with ECW as fucking all? Like, is anybody in the back even saying, man, what's, what's going to go on with ECW? And if they do, do you even notice? Nope. Completely ignored it. Absolutely, completely ignored it. Because I thought, you know, by January of 2001, I'm thinking, you know, we're fucked. I'm looking for a job. I'm not worried about what's going on with Paul Heyman's world. And you know what? To be honest with you, it's a a selfish way to be, but I'm worried about myself only and how I'm going to support five kids. So I'm looking for a job. I don't give a fuck what's going on at ECW, and there you go. 
That's the best I can say because it's true. I mean, maybe uh, – you think maybe I should have been more concerned about the business at this venture in my life? I mean, I, I'm not going to go to ECW because they're getting ready to go out of business. I'm not going to do – I'm not going to be received well at ECW. So I just try to stay out of the wrestling business. I don't, you know, I know the WWE doesn't want me. So, so no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't pay attention to this shit at all. I didn't even think they obviously. I mean, I know now, thanks to you, I know now that they were a big factor in the wrestling business. But they didn't come across that way to me. Right. That time, they uh, to me it was just two. It was us and the WWF back then. These these guys were non-entities as far as I was concerned. And that's, I don't know if that's just Shivani arrogance, Shivani idiocy, uh, or what that is, but wow, that's pretty fucking cool. Doring with a hell of a move there. Hell of a maneuver and the fans are into it. Lots of innovation here. Yeah. I guess we should mention... Uh Wow. Meltzer would say wrestlers received half pay at the show, leaving them seven weeks behind. The morale was said to be very bad, but the news getting around that despite claims to the contrary earlier in the week that ECW had lost its TV on MSG in New York, its key market, and the show didn't even air the night before the pay-per-view in that market. Trying to garner hope because Farm Club on its show was airing video clips of ECW action on USA, also ended up demoralizing since Farm Club has its own financial problems as well as a major ratings decline and hasn't shown ECW clips the last few weeks. There were not even the hints given that a TV deal was on the verge of being announced and Heyman didn't even produce a new television show since his other key market, Philadelphia, hadn't gotten the tape of the show for last weekend. So that tape aired this week and many were questioning if TV would be produced from this point forward. So not only did they lose their network deal, but their syndicated deal, they're, they're, they're going to have to give up on that and abandon that too. Wow. It, it, it was obviously a, not a good place to work at that time on many levels. Have you seen Chris Hamrick before? I see he just jumped in. No, I've not. I've seen him do some shit here, though. I think you'd like Chris Hamrick. I think he'd be on your list. I think you would consider him like the long lost Armstrong. Does he have like uh, stars and bars there? He does. Yeah, that's his gimmick. Okay. <laughs> They're doing some crazy shit here, man. Look at this. Now that's fucking cool, isn't it? Fuck yeah, that that's a hell of a finish. Holding him up, holding him like that. For Doring to come off. Yeah, the match probably wasn't that great, but I like the finish. And then, then again, you know, you, I guess this is what this was ECW, and this is uh, this is kind of like what has uh, stood the test of time. Uh, just high spots for the sake of doing high spots, right? Yep. Uh, and I never did appreciate it. I appreciate it much more now than I did, but. We saw a lot of that. They didn't fucking win. Uh, let me ask you also this. Uh, who was the girl at ringside? There was a girl at ringside in blue. Did you see her? Hmm. Yeah. Let me think about it. She was in, um, gosh, she was in the Sopranos. I know her. 
Let me think of her name. I know she was in this. I know she was in this. Uh, that wasn't uh, Jenny Lynn. Electra. Electra. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No. Now we get a run in. Okay, and they're working over our uh, Rebel Boy here. Pretty so, good. So this is uh, Nova. I think you've seen the BWO before. He was Supernova, and he would go on to portray um, like a fitness character, uh, a fitness guru, like a Tony Tony Little-type character in the WWF. Uh, they called him Simon Dean, which is sort of a poke at Dean Malenko. Uh. And... Uh, that didn't really work. This is definitely the coolest version of Nova, though. Nova had a reputation for being an innovator in the ring, similar to uh, Chris Canyon, and now he's completely out of the business, and I believe he works in the mortgage banking field. He almost looks like... Uh, he's in great shape here, too. He really is. I guess we should mention that uh, I believe he's the first guy who made... or He's the first guy I heard say it. He may not be the first person to say it, but he's the first guy I heard say I would take a bullet for Dr. Tom, but I would put one in Bruce. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Bruce getting some heat in the wrestling business. Didn't realize that. Wow. Are you kidding? <laughs> Bruce had a reputation. He was a heat magnet. Yeah. Still, still is, probably. Yeah. I would think that right now, as you and I sit here watching the show here in uh, 2019, that Bruce has probably more heat now than he's ever had. No, definitely not more. He hasn't sh brought a gun to work yet. <coughs> Sorry. Silly me. Forgot that story. Miserable dropkick. Although, I'll tell you, after all these last few weeks, I want to take the gun to work for it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this very special and, did I mention, rare... Best of WHW Monday. Make sure to join us each week here on Wednesdays, or if you'd like to show a little earlier ad-free with some amazing fun bonuses, check us out on Patreon. Hey guys, it's been fun and I'm desperately out of time, but let's squeeze in just a little more fun from our episode on Living Dangerously 1999. For Conrad Thompson, I'm Tony Schiavone. We'll see you next week on WHW Monday. Are you in the loop on Juice and Liger's theme music? I'm not playing it now, I promise, but have you heard it before? No. That's awesome. It's just like a fucking video game sounding open. You would love it. And then the side goes, Juice and Liger! That's awesome. Okay. I thought you'd enjoy that. Does it go dun 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 uh, rivalry from 1999, and this match was one of those matches. Wonder what promoter put that. Uh, probably just a fan put that one together. I'm thinking, just you know, freestyling here. Not sure. Wow, how about that move they just did from the top to the chair, ah, from the ropes to the to like a Frankensteiner? You being a dick? No, I'm not being a dick. Sounds like might be being a dick. I'm just just speaking talk, speaking real here. These guys, 
you know, we, we get it. You do some great shit. Get the chair out of the ring. You're going to kill yourself. Oh, uh, they're going to. I thought he was going to try DDT on the chair. Here, yeah, go like right there. Oh, holy shit! I don't think you can work that, dudes. I think you can try to tuck the head a little bit in, and uh, I'm talking about a wrestling move here. Try to tuck the head a little bit in, uh, and then work it. But I, I don't think you can work a, a DDT on a chair. I don't know why that got me, but it did. Oh, well, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I'm in ECW mood here. What can I say? I'm in an ECW mood. There's a new song. I'm it, in an ECW mood. It was just funny because I didn't see it coming. And uh, this past week with Bruce, we were talking about a match where the Undertaker was uh, wrestling Triple H. And it was the first time that Triple H had used a gimmick sledgehammer. Uh-huh. And he actually hurt the Undertaker with the sledgehammer. He had never hurt anybody with a sledgehammer before, but when he used a gimmick one, mm-hmm. I guess he thought he could just use it for real, and it busted him open for real. And uh-huh. um, when I described it as gimmicked, Bruce said, "Well, hang on now. The head was gimmicked, but the wood was real." <laughs> and I fucking died laughing. <laughs> I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> well, hang on now. <laughs> That tickled me. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, well, some of the funniest things are unplanned shit. They say, "What? What the fuck?" Oh man, man. Van Daminator, and then he spills out, goes through a table, and the crowd goes bananas. Mm. That's bad when I slim running around with that fucking whistle. I know. Why did we encourage that? I don't know. That was you. That was not me. Oh, he's going to have a gimmick. He's going to have a gimmick grill. He's going to have a shitty looking suit. He's going to have his sunglasses and they have a whistle on the side of his mouth. What have we created on this show? You did it. You did it. Yeah, yeah, me. Right. Me. Wasn't me. Mm. Sure wasn't. You don't create anything. I'm just a fan. Have I told you lately that you're mean? I'm not mean. I just called. I have spent three or four minutes of think comparing you to a savior, and you're calling me mean. Well, that, I mean that was sacrilegious. Uh, what are they trying to do here? What? Okay. Are you okay? Yeah, it looked like to me, it just looked like to me for a minute that they were trying to pull the tape up. Are they taping the uh, the the cords for the camera camera cable? Trying to pull it up. One, two, got a two count. One, two. I like <laughs> you to start randomly counting. Well, you know, it's kind of a reactionary thing. Yeah, like, uh, I don't mean for it to. It just happened. Yeah, right. When I see a a guy cover a guy, I go one, two. He got it. No, he didn't. Yeah. Oh. That's why it's... Watch on top. Ooh, split leg moonsault. 
That's why it, it's never a good idea when you know, Lois is in the hospital. Again? No, not again. But when she was in the hospital, it's never a good idea for me to go to a hospital. Why? Because I, I'll see somebody in there in the bed and I'll say, He's down for the count! Titus and Tate, a podcast from two obsessed basketball lovers. Twitter's a place for losers. I think the same thing about podcasts. I think you and I are losers. We podcast. We know we're losers. Most podcasts, you and I are doing it right now, are done over Zoom. I'm not even wearing pants right now. It's like, you know, we're going back to, the, we're back to where we started, where you're just like kind of sitting no, in the No, we used to wear pants when we, when we did podcasts. We've definitely gone, we've gone downhill. More than just analysts and stats. Titus and Tate, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of What Happened When is brought to you by SaveCade.com. If you're a renter, I've got a question for you. After all of those payments, what have you got to show for it? I mean, if you could buy a house for roughly what you're paying in rent, why wouldn't you? SaveCade.com makes this process fast and easy. You don't need perfect credit. Even credit scores in the 500s will qualify. But maybe best of all, you don't need any money out of pocket. You couldn't even go find an apartment that cheap. You'd have to pay your first month's rent, your last month's rent, and a security deposit. But you get a great tax deduction. You see, all the mortgage interest you pay, you get a check back at the end of the year for what do you get back for your rent? Nothing. You know what else you don't get? Any appreciation. You see, right now, home values are on the rise. Your landlord is going to be worth more next year than he is this year. And you're helping him pay it off. Why don't you pay something off for your family? Why don't you experience that appreciation and grow your wealth? Why don't you get that big tax deduction? First Family can make it happen for you right now at SaveCade.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Find out how easy it is to own your very own home right now at SaveCade.com. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And you're listening to What Happened When Monday on the MLW Radio Network. And here, the man of the hour, 
the master of ceremonies himself, the voice of professional wrestling below the Mason-Dixon line, and the voice of MLW on BM Sports Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tony Schiavone! What's going on, kind sir? How are you? Hello, Slut Dicks and Conrad Thompson. Great promoter that you are. Good to be with you. We are in the midst of a great time to be in pro wrestling. One of the greatest times to be in pro wrestling, and I'm very glad to be a part of it. Thanks to everyone who's enjoyed World uh, Championship Wrestling through the years, and now WHW Monday here on the MOW Radio Network. We've got a lot going on, and I'm just glad to say that Conrad, I love you. Oh, I love you too, Tony. We're having such a good time. And you're busting my balls every single week about being a wrestling promoter. And I'm busting your balls about being a perv. We're having a good time. And I'm looking forward to today's episode. We're going to be covering maybe the most historic Nitro ever. It's Nitro number 37 on the WWE Network. So fire that up right now. It's May 27th, 1996. Motherfucker called me a purple. Well, yeah, go ahead. I was talking to someone else. No, I get it. Hey, listen, okay. I, I've got some things I want to talk about. I want to announce right now that the month of June is dedicated to Jim Crockett Promotions. Dun, dun, dun. Check out our lineup right now on Twitter at WHW Monday. There you'll see that we're going to be covering the 605 show from 86, 87, and 88, and even Clash of the Champions 2, Miami Mayhem. The month of June is all about Jim Crockett Promotions. For whatever reason, it doesn't win a poll, but lots of our hardcore listeners really want more JCP. And some even freestyle that you enjoy talking about JCP more than WCW. Is that fair to say? Well, because I had been such a big wrestling fan of Jim Crockett Promotions prior to that, uh, and I feel like I was, uh, well, I hate to use this overused term, but I was very blessed to now be a part of the promotion. And it was a very happy time for me. There was less pressure than what happened, you know, later with World Championship Wrestling, WCW. So, yeah, it was a great time for me, and I was a, I was a much happier camper, as they say. Well, I tell you what, you're about to be a much happier camper because we've got some big show news for you first. Now, before we drop this, I want to hit you with this right up front. The show's not going anywhere. Everything's fine. The show's not over. The show's not being canceled. The show goes on. And with that, I would like to announce that we now have an opportunity for more bonus content. You guys are after us every single week. Hey, man, can we get some video? Hey, man, why don't you guys cover other promotions? Hey, man, would you ever cover ECW? Hey, man, when can we get a SummerSlam show? Hey, man, why don't you show a tournament of death to Tony? What if we did all of that? We're announcing right now, officially... That this is our last Monday episode. We're moving to Wednesday. Next week, you'll be able to hear Tony on this exact same feed right here, absolutely free, on Wednesday, June the 6th. It'll be What Happened When on Wednesday. Now, if you're disappointed and you think, man, I really need it on Monday, we want to invite you to support us and be a member of Slapdick Nation and get this show on Monday absolutely ad-free at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. That's right. What happened, Wood? is coming to Patreon, and we're providing you with a lot of bonus content. First of all, you're going to get the show two days early, completely ad-free. You're also going to get a weekly video Q&A with Tony or myself every single week. But maybe the best thing, if you're a member of Slap Dick Nation, which is the first level of contributor we have here, You get behind-the-scenes video of our weekly prep. 
You'll get to see me and my buds over here watching this silly shit that we're going to cover. But the main event is when you get to see Tony and Lois watching some of the shows that we cover. A behind-the-scenes video pick. You'll also get to vote in the polls. And then we get to contributor level number two. It's the Hot Tag Express. And Hot Tag Express gets everything we just ran through. But you also get a personal call from Tony. Not just for buying a shirt, but for supporting us on Patreon. You'll also get a bonus show on the current product. Tony could watch Raw with you or SmackDown or a pay-per-view or MLW or Impact or Lucha Underground or Ring of Honor. Whatever the current product is that you'd like for him to cover, maybe a little New Japan, we're actually going to cover that once a month as a bonus show for you on the current product, and you guys get to vote as to what that is. And we're going to cover a second bonus show on other promotions. So maybe you want to go back and watch an old WWF SummerSlam, maybe from 1989, or maybe ECW One Night Stand, or the Invasion pay-per-view from 2001. Whatever you're looking for, you get two bonus shows, one on the current product and then one on other promotions. You'll also get 10% off of all your purchases at boxofgimmicks.com. And this is fun. This is maybe my favorite piece of this. Weekly video footage of Tony calling fans for the T-shirt orders. So when Tony calls to thank you for purchasing a T-shirt, he's going to put it on speaker and record it. If you don't want it to continue on speaker, he'll take you off. But that will create some hilarious interaction. You'll even get an exclusive WHW enamel pin. Now that is if you're a member of Hot Tag Express. Our third level is for our glass bottom boat riders. You get everything mm. we've covered so far, plus two free VIP tickets to a live show. And that's a big deal because with this Patreon support, Tony is going to be able to take less regular bookings and more wrestling bookings. So I would expect us over the next year to have at least four stage shows. We'll also have exclusive WHW merchandise for you for free, a 15% discount at boxofgimmicks.com. And here's where we start really hitting. You get to schedule coffee with Tony. You see, Tony's on the road calling traditional sports almost every week, multiple times a week. And when he's in your neck of the woods, he'll meet you at a Starbucks, grab a coffee, catch up, take your picks, do whatever you'd like. You can even do a visit with Tony by Skype, and we're going to start having annual gatherings in Atlanta and or Nashville. And only the people who are supporting us at this glass bottom boat rider level are going to be invited to that. Tickets will not be sold. It'll just be with us. And we're going to have a little weekend event here in the South, either Atlanta or Nashville, both easy fly-ins. But now, a very small number of you get to be low-key big hogs. Everything we've covered so far but a 20% discount over at boxofgimmicks.com. And, and this is fun, you pick a bonus episode, not by poll, you personally. Pick a bonus episode, and we want you to pick something unique. And then you get to make a special appearance here on that bonus episode. And explain to us why you're putting us through this. You also get a new piece of merchandise every single quarter, absolutely free, and maybe best of all, a private invite to a weekend event here in Huntsville once a year. You guys will help decide the date as long as it coordinates with Tony and my schedule. We're going to invite you guys to come hang out for the entire weekend here in Huntsville. Take a little tour, watch a little wrestling, hang out at the Conradison. There's no telling what sort, what sort of silliness we're going to get into. We've got four different levels for which you can contribute. It starts at just $7 to be a member of Slap Dick Nation. 
You've also got Hot Tag Express, the Glass Bottom Boat Riders, and Low Key Big Hogs. We're trying to give you more content. This will create revenue that will allow Tony to ease off some of the crazy travel schedule he's under and allow him to create more content here for our Patreon supporters. It's patreon.com forward slash Monday. I encourage you, if you enjoy the show, at least go look at it. Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Monday and see all about it. The page is live right now, and we would love to have your support. Is that fair to say, Tony? That is fair to say, and I think we need to say again, everyone take a breath here because let's tell you the show, if you want it the way it is, you'll get it. Nothing changes with the exception of you'll get it on Wednesday now. It'll download on Wednesday. Unless you are a part of us on Patreon, then you'll get it on Monday ad-free. But if you're saying, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of Patreon. Just can't do that right now. That's fine. Come on and join us on Wednesday, just like always, and you'll get the podcast that you've come to hopefully love. Check it out, man. We want, we'd love to have your support. Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. But one more time. The show's not changing. It's just going to Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, next week, check us out right here. We're going to be covering all about Jim Crockett promotions. If you're one of those folks who would really like to go ahead and just watch it beforehand, and I get that. Let me tell you exactly what episode you'll want to watch. It's the June 7th, 1986 episode of NWA World Championship Wrestling. That's going to be almost 30 years, or almost 32 years, rather, to the day when it launches here on this free feed on Wednesday, June the 6th. Now, you get to see it early if you support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Monday. All right, Tony, it's time. Is she awake? Yep. Can we get her in here? Yes, we can get her in here. Come on in here, lady. You, 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 thanks to Conrad, you've become... Wait a minute. And she's walking through a lot of dog hair. <laughs> All right, she's ready. Ready, sweetie? Go. <laughs> Mimi. <laughs> Three, two, one. Give me a play. What did you think of these, the open of Nitro? Man, as a what kid, I loved it. I mean, I could see why some people would look at it now and say it was, eh. But as a kid, man, this was a hot open. And I assume that most of this was done, you know, with uh, projectors and graphics and whatnot. But this was shot right. in Orlando, right, in one of the theme parks? Yes, it was. And, look, this was some good stuff. I, I really I, I really enjoyed it. And now we're going to go to our first two-hour edition of WCW Monday Nitro. And I want to let you know, as we go to this first two-hour edition, most people realize now because of what this show meant and how historic the show was in the annals of wrestling and the Monday Night Wars. Most people know it was the Macon, Georgia Coliseum, but we did not mention one time, Conrad, that we were in Macon, Georgia. Well, not one time. It makes the show seem rather small time to say you're in Macon, Georgia. Does it not from a national perspective? Yeah, it does. And, of course, Eric you know, did not want to uh, be seen as a southern promotion, even though that's what we were. We were from the south. We were based in Atlanta. We were owned by, as you will come to find out, Billionaire Ted. And you know what? I'm not so sure that this jacket still fits me, but uh, I'm sure it doesn't. But I do want to say that it probably took Larry Zabisco and I about 20 minutes for him to decide on that fucking shirt, a pullover with, with stripes. Oh, God, I love Larry Zabisco. Absolutely loved him. 
we were excited. This is my first Nitro, so I was really pumped up about being part of this and excited. We were going to see some good matches, and of course, we were going to be a part of wrestling history. It's sort of uh, fun that so many people sort of associate you as the voice of Nitro, but you weren't even on the damn thing for many, many months. I mean, that's this, right. It, it's pretty crazy to think about in hindsight. Well, a couple of things were leading up to this. Uh, and as I'm, I'm watching old Nitros now and watching the show, Eric Bischoff, who's the one that a lot of times would say, one of the greatest things in the history. You know, Eric said history of our sport a lot in his commentary. That motherfucker did. I get blamed for it, but he did. And I guess it's because that I was doing the announcing when when the war started and we were moving forward with the NWO. Uh, so he said that a lot. And, and I and I realized that. Plus, Eric had made a uh, had made it a point to knock the other promotion. You know, to slowly you know uh, jab Vince right, left, gig him or whatever. Oh, American males, American males, American males. You know what's funny? American, when I what? see them coming out clapping like this, and knowing yeah. that Buff Bagwell is now a male prostitute, I yeah. feel like he's like free time. Like, who wants to clap? I got to clap. <laughs> you want to clap? Come on. Come on, the Cowboys for Angels. Come on. You saw as they walked by the uh, Ric Flair set where Rick would come and have, you know, shrimp and grapes and whatever. And uh, here they go. Look at the American men. They look like a couple of, uh, I don't know, stripper male prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, That's what they look like. Well, the pirate gimmick of sorts. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. I, I like this. I like this set too. Our this oh, entranceway. The, the best. It's so underrated, especially at the time. By the way, I watched this this week. First yeah. of all, um, Woo! how about that robe? Yeah. Is that a top five robe for him? Uh, it probably would be. Uh, well, pink and flowers and the girls. Boy, he loved to show off the girls, didn't he? And of course, it, he's going to be wrestling in our first match. I, I, I think about this. Rick our Blair first, yeah, our first two-hour uh, WCW Monday Nitro. We got Flair wrestling in the curtain jerker. Curtain jerker. How about that? Well, I'm calling it curtain jacking when he's there because he's like <laughs> he's taking over the show here. He, this promo he's going to do after. I had never seen. You know, I have to admit, I was not watching wrestling when this happened. I didn't get back into wrestling until I saw Hulk Hogan wearing all black in like August or September of this year. I'm flipping through the channels. Anyway, um, that robe, by the way, is a top five all time. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you know where it is right now? Do you have this robe? Yeah, it's here at the house. Do you really? Yeah. You son of a bitch. Um, yeah, that was my that was my proudest uh, flare robe acquisition until this last year. Yeah. So, this uh, this is sort of a weird scene here because when they all come out, I thought, man, as much partying as Flair and Arn have done, you know, just all the wild living, raising hell, drinking, staying up late, flying all over God's creation, you know, five, six nights a week, taking bumps every day, who would have ever imagined that of the four who just walked through the curtain, they would be the ones to survive, and the girls would be the ones to pass away. You know, Isn't that something? You just never imagine that. You know, you don't want any. You don't want to ever think about anybody dying. But these guys are older. They're heavier. There's more stress on their heart. They're drinking, raising hell, partying. They're traveling. They're taking bumps. Just you know, the wrestler lifestyle, man. And and they outlived both of the women. 
And the women passed away as a result of in many ways of the, of the wrestling business. Horrible right. circumstances in both. Yeah, you know, terrible. Tragic, and you just, God, you just never imagine. And then you see the referee in there who's also passed away. It's it, Sometimes looking at this old stuff can be depressing, but thankfully we've got Scotty Riggs and uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell here to cheer us up. Yeah, we do, uh, because they're a good-looking young man, and they actually end up having a pretty good match here for a couple of reasons, because they're good-looking and they can bump, and they're working against a couple of masters as well. You know, you're saying all this, don't want to press, depress you, but this just tells me how you can never predict life. You can never know how your life's going to turn out. Never can. Did I ever think I'd be talking about this with you? No. No way. Hell no. Uh, so here we are now and in the first match. Also... You know, this is a good place for all of this because you get a pretty good reaction from Macon, Georgia, to the Horsemen. Uh, and you get a pretty good reaction, you know, from Macon, Georgia, from Ric Flair. And, you know, they, as you can see, the fan down front, man, they're, they're all Flair guys and girls here. Because it doesn't matter how big of a heel he may try to present himself. <laughs> He's, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. And, you know, you've got... Um... You know, I know a lot of people sort of make fun of curtain jerkers, but the reality is this is a prime spot on the show. You know, I mean, if you're at the top of the hour on any wrestling show, it's it's an important spot on the show. Absolutely. Flair taking some great bumps from Bagwell as well, taking those drop kicks, bumping, (laughs) crawling on all fours. You know, as older as he got, you know, Flair and his stuff got a little bit more humorous and humorous and humorous and and yeah, that's because Flair loved to make people laugh as well as make people boo and cheer. Yeah, he really did. He's been on record as saying when his physical talents, you know, started to dissipate or diminish rather, he yeah. um, he really wanted to up the ante with the entertainment aspect. And I think yeah. he did that in a big way. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing with that champagne bottle. <laughs> I think he was giving it to the woman say, here, stick it up Bagwell's ass. He'd like it. And then he took the champagne bottle back. Could have been. Just freestyling here. You never know what they were saying. But, uh, again, Flair is freestyling. Here now, Marty Lundy wants to bring in Marcus Bagwell. Uh, as physically sound or as technically sound as any guy ever in the business. And Randy Anderson doing a, a great job. Saw that one coming. Look at Flair's reaction. That's just... Guys, you had to work back then. This Not is, that they don't now, but they really do did now back then. I don't think hey, there's ever been an, a bad Arn Anderson match, but Arn yeah. at, at different times here, you can tell, is really struggling with, should I sell this? Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure about this. Should I sell this? We take a break, and, and when they take a break here and they had that bug and they did the overshot shot and we come back, I, I now I think of the days now. Flair was trying to Flair was trying to go forward there that time, but look at him. He's still shaking his fucking head. Oh, God, Ric Flair. Um, I think about now in SmackDown and Raw how they have actually wrestling action during commercial breaks now, and they show it. I, I never thought you could get away with something like that. Well, I think it, I think it does. Uh, I mean, I think the reason they get away with it, so to speak, is because advertisers want it. Hear me out. All right. We're in a DVR time. They're not going to fast forward the commercials if you can still see the wrestling action. They're less but, uh, likely. Exactly. Different era. Yeah. Back back in this era, it's like do not do anything with the commercials. Sure. Or the sponsors will get pissed. I understand that absolutely. Uh. 
So that's uh, now Arn is, uh, you know, uh, of all this, we, we talk so much about Bagwell and Arn and Rick, obviously. But, you know, I, I thought Scotty Riggs was a very underrated performer. And Scotty Riggs is a listener to WHW Monday. Oh, good. Scotty, good talking to you again, buddy. I, I thought that, and he was probably the odd man out of all this because of, you know, Bagwell being like the rookie of the year and was a great singles competitor before they became the the uh, the American males. American, I just can't say American males without singing the motherfucker. Slam um, your grandma. Slam your grandma. <laughs> Patreon. Hey, oh my God! Uh, listen to you. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, I just uh, I thought see, Scotty could sell. Scotty did some good shit. Hey, give me some champagne, some bitch. You're never supposed to work and drink at the same time, Conrad. You do realize that, don't Bobby you? Bobby never got that memo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, uh, well, there was difference between just taking a drink of champagne and drinking a whole bottle of vodka. There's a, a difference during the show. See, I thought I was throwing shade. Listen to you. Okay. Uh, but anyway, back in the corner here, uh, Arn Anderson doing a great job of calling. He's got his head down. He's calling spots, uh, and he's just making things work here. And, and again, uh, kudos to Scotty Riggs because he can sell here, man. I feel like we should um, catch everybody up here that this show is going to be a rather interesting show Yes, because it is almost like... I don't know, WCW 95 trying to turn into WCW 97. Because this is very much a transition period where the ring looks like Nitro, the graphics look like Nitro, the set looks like Nitro, but so much of this show does really not feel like the Nitro that I remember. And and, and the catalyst for all this change is Scott Hall in a few minutes. And I guess we should sort of point out that behind the scenes – just a week prior, or you know, in the prior week, the curtain call happened. And so you saw Kevin Nash as Diesel, Scott Hall as Razor Ramon, come out as good guys and bad guys together and sort of hug and acknowledge their friendship with Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Shawn Michaels in Madison Square Garden. Had you heard about this at that point? Was that a big deal in the business even outside of the WWF? If it was a big deal in the business, I did not hear about it uh, again because I did not keep up with the WWF stuff. I, I didn't. I, I didn't know what the what, what was going on over there at all. Uh, maybe I should have. In Zaguri in the back of the head, getting my getting my maneuvers down here, kind of. In Zaguri in the back of the head. Uh, so no, I, I didn't. And, and I'm sure with people who were following the the business and the dirt cheap people, even the boys. Uh, yeah, they were into it, but I, I did not, I was not aware of what was going on. And that's not Shivani not remembering shit, that's Shivani just not caring. Let me, let me tell you something about Randy Anderson pushing Ric Flair right there. That was one of the things that Ole Anderson absolutely hated. Because Flair started taking bumps for referees, right? And Ole thought that was the one of the worst things you could do. He thought that demeaned wrestlers. Right. Uh, so anyway, but it, but no, I didn't. Uh, I was not aware of what was going on over there. It, it is sort of interesting because the narrative is it's such an important night in wrestling history, and meanwhile here you are calling the other show, fucking oblivious to it. Yeah, I absolutely oblivious. And, and you know what? Why not be? Why did I have to? Why did I have to be tuned in with what the WWF had to do? 
Uh, was that important to what I was doing? No. I'm calling matches. I'm putting our guys over. I'm trying to make us bigger than life. I think if I I really think this, and I, and I go back to the, the one thing that I heard Vince Scully say many, many years ago before he retired, when they asked him on an interview, a shooting interview, you know, uh, do you listen to other broadcasters? Do you watch other baseball games? He said, no, I don't. I don't want to try to have them influence what I say. My job is to call Dodger games and have the fans get interested in the Dodgers, and that's it. My job was to call WCW, was not to react anything to WWF did. And I don't think my counterpart, JR, was like that. I think JR was very much into what was going on with us. And, I, and you know, later on, and years later on, I, I kind of got involved in it. There's your... There's a brain buster. Um, I got involved in it, but... And it probably hurt my uh, my commentary. I guess I should remind everybody that we're on the heels of Slamboree uh, 1996. What do you remember about Slamboree 1996? I bet I can guess fucking nothing. Nothing. I'm glad well, that's the case because, man, this is a... Uh, well, no, good, good. Uh, chat me up about some of the things that happened and it might stir up my memory. You know, I mean, I can remember doing slamborees, but I can't really tie up slamborees to the years, you know. The fucking lethal lottery. Uh, one by Diamond Dallas Page. Did he win? Was that? Was yeah. That right? Yeah, okay. Last right. eliminating the Barbarian yeah. in the Battle Bowl to become the number one contender. I mean, the undercard is pretty interesting because you've got... You know, Dean Malenko working with Brad Armstrong, Conan working with Jushin Liger. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this pay-per-view had shit like Scott Norton and Ice Train taking on Big Bubba Rogers and Stevie Ray. And Dick wow. Slater and uh, Earl Robert Eaton taking on Disco Inferno and Alex Wright. Wow. Stevie P. and the Barbarian taking on Ming and Hugh Morris. Uh, VK Wall Street and Jim Duggan taking on the Blue Bloods. Uh, Rick Steiner and the Booty Man taking on Craig Pittman and Scott Steiner. <laughs> okay, yeah. No one ever got this shit. That's right? what I'm saying. You block out the <laughs> fucking painful memories, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Arn Anderson uh, 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 talking to Gene Oakland. Gene does a great job of, of reacting to all of this that he's seen here. Look and at Flair. Just look at Flair. you got to go back and watch this promo. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Hair slicked back. And, you know, it, it's it's typical Ric Flair that we know now in that Ric Flair is not paying attention to anything that's being said here. He's not. He's in his own fucking world. He didn't know what Orange just said. He was just shaking his head. He hasn't doesn't know what Gene, what Gene Oakland is talking about. He's doing his Ric Flair shit, and the world be damned. Woo! That's Ric Flair who needed Ridland. But thank God during this promo he didn't get it. And now he's going to talk about a bunch of Randy Savage. Which they were building up a pretty uh, a pretty good angle here with Savage and him taking Liz away and uh, well, it was pretty good stuff. And he's, he's saying, you know, Mongo, I'm coming to get your woman. Everybody he's, thinks that these girls are here because I'm a sugar daddy. No, Deborah McMichael's gonna be my sugar Woo! And don't think if he couldn't get away with it, he would have tried to fuck all three at one time. Well, That's the Ric Flair that we that we loved. Liz is about to give him permission. Oakland's going to say, "Don't you think that Rick talking like this is two timing?" And she says, yeah. "No, 
the champ can have whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody goes, woo, with that. It's just, uh, it's so, I mean, he's so fired up here. Yeah. Uh, he's just dumped champagne on his head. He, he can barely control his excitement. He looks forward to this promo more than the match by far. No question. Absolutely. When he could, when he could have the ladies around him, and it, it, to him, it wasn't about wrestling now. It was about Ric Flair and Ric Flair being his lifestyle. Woo! Woo! And up next, hey, a bunch of football players lifting weights. That's going to sell some tickets. And put butts in the seats on Monday Nitro. I guess we should right. tell everybody that Kevin Green has given them a lot of promotion here. I mean, he's going to be on the Tonight Show right. uh, the night after this. And they're doing this, of course, because they want as much mainstream publicity as they can. They're desperate for it here. And you're going to see more evidence of that in a minute. But the reason this is going down the way it is is because they're trying to set up the Great American Bash on June 16th. And that's an interesting show because you've got, uh, you know, all the silliness with the NWO. But you've also got Mongo teaming. I mean, I can't believe that's even a real thing. Mongo and Kevin Green are a tag team against Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Does that yeah. feel like that's uh I think we're twenty fucking minutes. Ugh. Ugh. We're not gonna cover that show, are we? <laughs> I mean we might if that's what they yeah. want on Patreon. You know. uh, yeah. Well <laughs> I'm with you though. The two two football players listing weights. I get that this is mainstream and you're trying to build publicity and whatever. But it does feel like they ought to have a wrestler giving, like, what? they should be tagging with a wrestler. I know Mongo is, is going to be a full-time wrestler after this, and maybe that's the purpose. But in a traditional sense, it feels like Kevin Green would have Sting working with him or something, right? Right, and it's something that kind of Zabisco in his commentary, if you go back and listen to the commentary, really pointed out. He said, you know, he said they, the, the football players, you know, push weights, and uh, put pads on and everything, and it's different with wrestling. And, you know, he really, really brought it back to, I thought, square one with this is pro wrestling, this is not football, and this is not just about lifting weights. And I think, and I thought at this time, and I really think now, that this fucking weightlifting thing went way too long. No doubt. Jesus Christ. And I'm going to blame Neil Pruitt for that. <laughs> um no, I'm not going to blame you. I like me. I'm going to blame. I'm going to blame Craig Leathers. You know, one of the things I noticed when you when you go back and you watch these shows with a critical eye is some of these wide shots that they get when they're coming when they're setting up shots. You know, back from a commercial or about to go to the ring or about to show an entrance. They'll shoot it from an angle that makes the building look much much bigger. You know, as big as possible. But at the same time, they accidentally shoot a bunch of empty fucking seats. That would never happen at the time with WWF. I mean, they would have made sure that they had people rearranged to be in those seats or just shoot it from a different direction instead of seeing rows of 12 just empty. Well, we're getting ready to uh, to witness uh, the big moment, I guess. One of the most memorable moments ever. We can't uh, get rid of this motherfucker. Colonel Robert Parker, you know, the, uh, the jump rope academy himself, yeah. He's been on every WCW show we've ever fucking covered here. We've even got, he was one of our first t-shirts. Now he's on fucking Friday nights on MLW on BN Sports. And goddamn if he's not in this iconic moment in Nitro history, too. He's fucking yeah. everywhere. 
Yep. I can't get rid of the old fucker, can you? And here it is, of course, Mike Enos. I guess uh, one of the Beverly Brothers, was that made him famous? My, I don't know. Mike Enos and Colonel Penis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the Mauler is uh, yeah. Mike Enos' name here. Yeah. He's taking on Steve Dahl. What's your favorite Steve Dahl match? Well, it's right now. It's the one I remember. This is the one that made Steve Dahl famous, right? He can't get any more famous than this. I mean, he might, because he can do a podcast with you. It's working for me. <laughs> no, no. You, you do three of them, and you promote Starcast in Chicago. Pretty excited about that. You should be. We're all excited about getting together with everybody in Chicago right before Labor Day and right before All In. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, Mike Enos, uh, was uh, pretty good. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, at one time, if I recall, he was going to be like part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew 2, uh, under the tutelage of Ole Anderson. So he'd been around a little while. Could do some things. It's a nice fall away slam. Off the second rope. That's a hot move, especially in 1996. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Did, did a lot of good stuff. Uh, and as we're getting ready to see see the, this big moment, and you'll see the fans over, you'll see the fans as um, on the hard side look look away. I, I thought long and hard about this, Conrad, about what I knew and what I didn't know. Um, as Scott Hall is in, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying I was unaware of what happened in Madison Square Garden. I was, didn't care. Uh, there may have been some talk in the backstage area about it, and if so, I did not, it did not ring with me. But if I recall, have you, have you talked to Eric about this moment? Have you and Eric covered this moment on uh, 80, 80, 100 weeks? Or well, it's 83 weeks at 83weeks.com, and yeah, okay. we talked about the creation of the NWO as our very first episode, so we covered this through Hulk Hogan's turn. Okay, so did he say he smartened us up to this, or we were smartened up to this moment? He did not tell the wrestlers. You guys knew that something was going to happen. You didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Exactly. And, right. and uh, Larry Zabisco actually has been credited with the idea of coming through the ring because originally he was just supposed to come down the ramp. Right. And Zabisco says, you know, that kills the credibility because if he comes from the back, it's part of the show. Right. And, and of course, in hindsight, even Bischoff would admit that Maybe it was a mistake to have Hall go back up the ramp. You see Scott Hall coming down right now, followed by fans. Look at everybody standing up like, what the hell? Yeah. Here comes who they believe to be Razor Ramon walking through the crowd. And obviously it is a little bit of a giveaway here that they're shooting him. The wide shot, you know, you would just buy, even this shot. But when you get tight shots of him like you're about to hear as he climbs the railing, well, a little more apparent. Yeah, I mean, look, if I'm a director and I and this guy walks in and someone says, hey, Razor Ramon's in the building, I'm probably going to try to, and he goes over the, the rail, I'm probably going to try to get a shot of him. And, of course, he was in his full Razor Ramon, you know, rap here and talk. What we were told, what I was told, I remember was, do not sell this as somebody in the ring. Right. Just make just make it feel like this show is being interrupted, and you have no idea what to say. So I didn't say much. 
And as the show went along here, now that I'm looking at it back years later, 20-plus years later, it, it came across exactly the way Eric Bischoff wanted it. It came across as if Vince was sending this guy there in our show to say, fucking enough. We've had enough of your mouth. We've had enough of you bad talking our promotion. And I'm here to tell you, enough. And it came, it was, looking back on it, I thought it was ingenious. I didn't get a good feeling that night for it because I didn't really know what to say or how to say it. And I was kind of afraid that I would say too much. But looking back on it, buddy, it was it was a great show because of this. It is one of the most historic moments in wrestling history. And Meltzer put it over as such, too. He says, with the exception of the debut of Scott Hall, the first two-hour Nitro telecast by WCW and 527 for Macon was almost a complete dud. A combination of bad matches, bad commentary, little hype or excitement, bad interviews, and bad angles resulted in a two-hour broadcast reminiscent more of a bad WCW Saturday night show as opposed to a compelling Monday or competing Monday Night Raw. However, amidst the attempt to cure insomnia was the debut of Hall, done in a manner that is almost certain to be one of the biggest money angles of the year. Hall came out first, dressed in blue jeans, but everything else similar to his old Razor Ramon character in the middle of a dead match between Steve Dahl and the mauler, Mike Enos. The match basically ended with no finish, and Hall came into the ring doing his Latino accent and acted as if he was a WWF wrestler who was here to avenge his company, knocking WCW as if it were a hillbilly promotion, talking about Billionaire Ted, Scheme Gene, and the Nacho Man, all characters from McMahon parodies. The crowd was somewhat stunned by all of this, with some cheering and most not really reacting out of shock. From a one-upsmanship category, it's the biggest strike Bischoff has pulled including the Lex Luger debut, and that he's using McMahon's own storyline parody angles that were supposed to be used against WCW, and now they're being used in WCW's biggest angle against the WWF as a way to draw money doing a Japanese fake shoot angle to build a promotional war. Pretty tremendous that um, this is getting over the way it has. And people knew right away this is going to be hot. It was it was well done, and we, and we were told as announcers, you know, now you got to move forward. Told in our ear, you got to move forward. You can't dwell on what happened. Act like you know it's uh, unfortunate situation, but the show must go on. And I thought we did a pretty good job of doing that. Can I also say this? Yeah. Can Meltzer give any critique at all without using the word Japan or Japa fuckingese? Would you fucking stop? Jesus Christ. I wish DDP would stop. DDP is a, a cool motherfucker in 2018, but maybe not so much right here. How would you describe DDP's look here? Well, DDP was uh, the look that, you know, he had just won Battle Bowl, so uh, he was uh, f- a poor guy uh, from the Bowery, so to speak, and was finally, uh, what, what it, what, when he makes all this money, what does he do? He dresses like, uh, like a guy in a trailer would do, I guess. I don't know. I, here's what I like, because, you know, I'm, I'm doing DDP yoga now. Uh, when you finish like one of his uh, stretch moves, he always goes attention. DDP does okay, and so now we're going to see a little. There you go, little DDP, little DDP yoga before it's time right there, and he's going to hop down and do some push-ups for us. I'm thinking, yeah, baby, DDP yoga. 
before its time. He didn't even think, he wasn't even thinking about yoga right then. It wasn't in his mind. How about but there you go. Pittman thinking he's going to one up him and do a one arm push up and yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah, okay. I did one and then a half of one. That's about it. And then a pretty good move, pretty good start to this match. The fans were kind of into it, and BD played uh, he played the part quite well here. But man, that Keelan Green shit just couldn't cut it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he looks like an enhancement guy. He looks like he was working down at fucking Boaz. But, and I mean, I guess this is worth mentioning here. It's probably not, I mean, he probably doesn't have anybody helping him with his gear. And he's probably not helped to what people are watching. I don't think people know this, but DDP is the most, you know, successful 93-year-old entrepreneur alive. You know, I mean, that whole yoga shit and eating organic has really worked. I mean, he just he just went to his 75th high school high school reunion. He was the only person there. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. And he catered the whole thing. He had to eat it himself. Yeah, I mean, he made his own yeah. gluten free waffles. All right, part yeah, of one, and and yeah. it was ready to roll. His own cheesy cauliflower dip, things like that. It's good stuff, man. I, I feel like Absolutely. I mentioned, and I don't even. I think you may be in the loop on this. DDP is doing an all-in yoga workout, DDP yoga workout at StarCast. And you can actually come to StarCast and work out with DDP. And there will probably be a couple of the boys join him, if I'm guessing. And you can get your uh, all your information, but the actual exercise itself, he's going to actually work with you to make sure you're improving your technique and doing it to the best of your abilities. You'll come away smarter, feeling better. You'll know more about it. Uh, it's a pretty cool little workshop. You can find out all about it at StarCast.com. Uh, also, uh, let's notice Teddy Long here. How many different uh, incarnations of Teddy Long do we go through? Well, this one ate the other Teddy Long. This is like <laughs> if, if I were Teddy Long. It's like, yeah, you know, if I took over Teddy Long's body in a month, this is what he would look like. Right. right. You're trying to say Teddy a little heavy? On the heavy side there? Teddy is not now, but Teddy, no, right here, Teddy knew where the, the buffets were. Yes. Teddy yes. knew where the good eating was. Teddy is finally on that WCW guaranteed contract money, and he's fucking eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> he found out where those endless apps are, and he's wearing them out. <laughs> oh, and now that's going to lead to the diamond cutter. Boom. Fans didn't react to it there like they would uh, do in years to come, but, man, it's still... Doesn't matter to me. It's still to me ranks as one of the great finishing moves of all time. I think it's probably the. I think it's up to that and the stunner. Probably the. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever he hit the dot, and, and and maybe even more so than the stunner, because the stunner was really set up the exact same way every time. Kick you in the gut and give it to you, and you want to see him do it. But Paige really took pride in. I'm going to come up with creative ways to hit it. Yeah, because. That diamond cutter can hit you from anywhere, bro. Self-high five. And now we're going to do something with a macho man. Go back and listen to this thing here. Uh, it was really, uh, I don't know if Pruitt put, the, put this together or not, but the commentary and the sound of this was really not well done. But we did a very good job of portraying the macho man Randy Savage as a fucking nut here. Uh, and uh, so now, see, look at this. I mean, he's going to push referees. He's going to... You know, elbow or drop it. it didn't matter to him. You know, he fucking hit you. And here, this guy, uh, this guy's name is Rob Garner. And Rob was an old JCP, Jim Crockett Promotions employee. 
that worked with Jimmy for a long time and moved to Dallas with Jimmy when the promotion moved there, and he was still working in WCW. So Rob Garner was a good guy. Meltzer really uh, did not dig this show. Surprise. Yeah, so Even uh, the... Um, the promo that I enjoyed so much with Ric Flair, he says, perhaps the most embarrassing was the interview with, of all people, Ric Flair, who had been doing some of his best work in recent years of late. Flair, when talking about McMichael and Green, said that Commissioner Pete Rozelle, who hasn't been the commissioner since the mid-'80s, mm-hmm. needed to save McMichael and Green by stopping the match, and then quoted the words of a 20-year-old forgettable song called Afternoon Delight, as if it were something current. Furthering the image WWF attempted to create this year of WCW as a behind-the-times promotion. I was scared to death he was going to bring up President Ford. Yeah. By the way, let me just say this. I know that the song is old as shit, but Ric Flair, as he pours champagne on himself and is having an aneurysm to be with these women... Singing Afternoon Delight's hilarious, but not as hilarious as this promo. Take it away. Jesus Christ. All right, uh, I don't know what's going to buy here, but let me ask you something, John Tenta, before I go, uh, whew, so many uh, what the fuck happened to your fucking chin? Well, here's what happened to my fucking chin. Okay? Take it away. I ate it. I ate everything in New York, and now I'm down here to eat everything in Atlanta. You know why I'm down here? Because... I fucking suck when I'm not the earthquake. They don't know what to fucking do with me. They got a whole committee back there. What the fuck is Kevin Sullivan doing? Trying to get Crispin Wallace his wife? Why can yeah. Eric Bischoff come up with something for me? Greg Gagne, did, every, did the best part of you wipe off on your daddy's sheets? What the fuck do you have me doing here? I've got teeth painted on my fucking face. I'm supposed to be a sumo monster, and instead you dress me up like a fish. Like a goddamn fish. Well, let me say here, uh, uh, John, uh, that uh, it's just a gimmick. You're going to get paid tonight. Uh, and obviously, you're just too fat, really, to go in the ring. I'm not too fat to go in the ring, G.G. I'm fucking made of it in a goddamn SummerSlam. Now I'm over here with these slab dicks. They're going to cut my fucking hair. I'm not happy about this shit, but it beats bagging groceries. Yeah. Let's go back to the ring. As, uh, yes, it's going to be Earthquake. Uh, 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 I don't know, uh, the shark. Uh, I don't know, John Tenta. But, uh... And now a little Hulk Hogan gimmick. This was for to give Hulk Hogan and us the, the rub, right? This is awful, though. Hulk Hogan yeah. is a celebrity, the likes of which professional wrestling has never seen. Wait until you see all the celebrities who also are fans of Hulk Hogan. Hear Hulk Hogan grunting to death. And here is George Foreman punching him over the rights to the Glean Mean Grilling Machine. Unfortunately, Hogan didn't answer the call, and he got pasta mania and butt stuff instead. Here's Shaquille O'Neal tearing his shirt off. Isn't it impressive what a seven-foot man can tear cotton? And Shaquille O'Neal sure could. Here's Dennis Rodman, clearly the biggest heel in basketball, but WCW's so desperate for attention, he's a baby face. And as if that weren't enough, Here's Kevin Green, who looks like he works at a flea market. 
rocket. Maybe he is battling for Gravitron's job. Will he get it? Oh, yeah, he will. You know exactly what we're doing at WCW. We're trying to convince you that we're significant. We're even going to get a man with so much CTE, he can barely function with sentences. Wait until you hear all the fantastic promos that Sugar Ray can cut. He just says, this is the Hulkster. Listen. That's his closing line. Listen, I don't know why anyone else listened, but I know that Eric Bischoff thought this shit made Hulk Hogan cool. Little did he know, Hogan sucked dick by this point. Woo! Well said, my round friend. Well said. Six weeks later, he's the fucking hottest act ever. And right right here, they are so desperate to convince you he's a big deal... They're trying to show all these other celebrities who grew up on it. By the way, they got fucking burnt up by the pyro. Did you see that? (laughs) The highlight of the whole show, a cameraman stands there, is engulfed in flames and realizes, oh, (laughs) goddamn. That is us. And now we're getting ready to go to hour number two. Aren't we? Or are we? Yes, we are. And now instead of being ringside, they're going to a stage... And this is the first time we see this set up here, right? First time we see this set up. And I tell you what, I'm Eric Bischoff along with Bobby, the brain unit. Bobby, I tell you what, I'm just, uh, I'm not going to respond to what we've seen. Well, Bischoff, uh, right now I'm happy. I'm very happy about the promotion. I'm very happy about being here because I know the Macho Man is here. And I know Hulk Hogan is here. I know Mean Gene is here. And I'm here. Right now, I'm happy. But wait until you see me in about four or five years from this. I'm going to be real fucking pissed off. Well, by that time, we're going to fire your ass with what we're going to do. And also, we do need to say that as far as him calling me a Ken doll, what the fuck is he talking about? I could probably beat him in a shoot fight. I will fucking spin kick him in the fucking oblivion because, as you know, Sonny Ono and I are real black belts. Let's go to the ring. It's um, it's a weird time in WCW, man, because you've got like, you know, I mean, a Ric Flair match, and then you've got the Scott Hall thing, and then DDP's giving somebody a diamond cutter, and now yeah. fucking this. And Earthquake, yeah. John Tenta, man, I was so sold on Earthquake as a kid. I mean, he was the super villain to me, but when he comes over here... Man, this is just fucking embarrassing, is it not? Well, uh, what we're doing here is is trying to... Hogan is going back to things that made him successful back in the WWF and trying to recreate those and restart those. And I mean, he had he had the Giant now that he could work off. He had Earthquake back. You really thought back when you were a kid that Earthquake was the evil villain? Did he was really over with he, you? He nearly killed Hulkamania. He squashed him on the Brother Love show. I had to, like, write a letter. I was trying to get this bracelet to save Hulkster. I mean, Tugboat was encouraging Hogan, and I really needed Tugboat to help Hulkamania get it together. Wow. It really had an impact on your life, huh? It did, and then you guys fucking ruined it here. How about uh, the Giant sporting the big gold belt, and it's buckled up? A lot of people, um, you know, probably remember him, like a lot of others, just sort of putting it over the shoulder. But Jaya sporting the big gold belt, it doesn't even look big on him. It looks the appropriate size. Yep. It fit the giant perfectly. And I just cannot get over the sh- uh, John Tender here with this. Fucking. It, look, uh, it, looks like the, it looks like the Steiners got him with a Sharpie. Well, it's not in his asshole. So. Yeah, no. You know, but it, look, 
It looks that way. That belt has seen better days right there. That thing has tarnished like a bitch, and it's not like the Giants playing. Look at the bend on the top of it. Yeah. So here's what's fun to me, to see a young big show here. I mean, this is like a different person. But also, too, I, you know, I think about the way some of this comes together. Like John Tenta, knowing that he was main eventing and a really big deal for the WWF, and now he's here, and I'm sure he's, you know, glad to be on TV and, and have – you know, a prime spot here in a world title match on live TV and a paycheck. But when he's painting his fucking face in the mirror, he's got to be like, Look yeah, what's what the fuck yeah, what, am I doing? Right. Look, John Tenta as Earthquake is, and you're talking about the Brother Love show and where he, you know, he killed, he squashed Hulkamania. Uh, that's back when the angles meant something on TV. Now we're trying to make matches mean something on TV, right? Yeah. And it, it just it just doesn't work for a character like him. I guess we should mention he made uh, two hundred and thirty nine thousand dollars this year, nineteen ninety six for WCW. Wow. So there you go. That's pretty good living, I think, in nineteen ninety six. Don't you? I'm not complaining. You're champion no. here, the giant. And I guess what he made. No. 238. Wow. He made $1,000 less than John Tenda? Yep. And he had the strap. Uh, Pittman made $99,683. Yep. DDP, you got a guess for 1996? Uh, $300,000. 149. Okay. I said that facetiously because I knew he was a friend of Eric. It's a pretty good spot here picking up John, uh, the big guy, putting him down. It is, because, you know, right there they're saying, you know, on the way to the ring, he weighed almost 450 pounds. And now, of course, they're saying he weighs well over 500, maybe 525, 530. Yeah. He's probably legitimately, what, 380? Yeah, every bit. And, of course, you know, again, that fucking shitty commentary that's going on in the second hour. Fuck. I love you for that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> that shitty commentary. I tell you what. I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what, Eric, what? I'll tell you what. What? Well, tell me, Eric. God damn it. Wait, he says I'll tell you what a lot? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. I, I sort of get the feeling that you're like, um, I don't know, not a big fan? No, sure. no, no. I just, no. I am a big fan. I just like, I just like having fun with this. Since I get ripped on a lot. Why not? Right? I'm not arguing that. Yeah. Okay. But I tell you what, this was a slow match. <laughs> slow. But it, it's what uh, it's what we got for these two guys and the, the size. And, you know, we started the broadcast, uh, I think, about 8.50, uh, before, right before Raw came on. So we wanted to be uh, on the air and doing something before uh, WWF Raw came on. I mean, it really is a good strategy. Yeah, it is. This, this, this whole night, this whole night's a good strategy if you think about it. Well, I don't know about the whole night. I mean, okay, ten, well. Tenta with the giant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you're you're saying the position of this match. Ugh, that's pretty brutal. Thank God, thank God, Jimmy Hart came up on that. Uh, and uh, Tenta's going, knowing the choke slam is coming here. That little left step, baby. I'm going to climb this top 
girl, be choking, baby. Come on, baby. Come over here. Choking, baby. Come on. Choke slam is pretty much over then because the fans are standing. They knew it was coming. Yes, sir, baby. Show the Giants ass. One, two, three. Let's be an asshole, baby. Come on. Let's be a giant asshole, baby. <laughs> so, you know, you. this is a weird deal here. How would you describe Ray Trailer's look? He's got leather right. pants. Yeah. He's got uh, wristbands. He's got a bandana around his elbow. Yeah. He's got glasses, chains. And literally, yeah. when I saw it from this angle, I'm like, yeah. he doesn't have rings on every finger. That's not Ray Trailer. Nope. No, he, he does. Yeah, he looks like a he looks like a bouncer at a gay bar, doesn't he? How do you know what bouncers at gay bars look like? That's what I've been told. I don't. They know. look like I don't know what that means. How about okay. he just happens to carry around uh, head trimmers, hair trimmers, and he's shaving half the head. Yeah, not the whole head, half right. the head. Yeah, I mean. And, and Eric goes on to say, "This is the ultimate embarrassment you can give a pro wrestler." No, the ultimate embarrassment you can give a pro wrestler is cut his pay. Uh, but God Almighty, Ray Trailer, yeah, baby. I mean, let's run through this. A few years prior, these were top acts for Vince McMahon with the Big Boss Man and the Earthquake. I don't know what the fuck this is, but now we've got slow motion. Max walking to the ring, and of course, yeah. there's the uh, mm. total package. Lex Luger posing off. What do you think of this uh, shaving half the head gimmick? Uh, by that time, uh, I was gone. <laughs> I mean, Macon is not too far away from my house, though, and I'm off the air. So yeah. uh, here's Max Muscle, or Max Double X, if you will. Former, uh, I guess, he and DDP were, uh, he was DDP's, bodyguard at one time, or I don't know if that happened before then or after then, but another kid out of the power plant. You know, when you do a scan of young kids in the audience like this, first thing I think of, all these all these kids now are like 20, 25-year-old punks, 30-year-old punks, doing, probably doing podcasts somewhere. The total package Lex Luger and Max, boy, the, you know, I have to agree with Meltzer on this. This was not for uh, actual wrestling in a show. This was not a good show for wrestling. The opening match was very good, but my God, we just had the Giant against the Shark, and now we're going to have Max Muscle against Lex Luger. Holy shit. And then later we're going to have Sting against Scott Steiner, uh, and they're going to do an angle out of that. But anyway... You can see the cameramen are, are cueing the kids on what to do, either thumbs down or L for loser. I don't know why they were doing L for loser with Lex Luger, but that's what they were doing. How about the uh, the pyro on the ring post, huh? I mean, that's ahead of its time. Yes, it is. You know, it's, it's more than a year before the WWF would do it for Kane. How would you describe Max's look here? Uh, well, I would say he looks like a bouncer at a gay bar, but then you'd say, well, how do you know what bouncers at a gay bar look like? But, uh... Why do you keep saying that? Well, you know, he looks like... He, he tries to look like something out of uh -huh. Mad Max, something futuristic with his hair shaved on, on both sides. Wait, so if you shave both sides of your head, it's futuristic? Yeah, for 1996 it is. 
Oh, now okay. it's just regular shit. I was going to call his look steroid chic. Now, oh, okay. here's, here's what's fun to me. Yeah. You could tell he's just freshly shaved his hair because the, he's com- he's completely tan except for right where his hair was. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's funny about hairdos back in 1996, you know? I mean, think about this. Remember Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Pee-wee's hairdo? Yeah. A lot of kids, a lot of you look down and you go, what the fuck is that? And a lot of kids now have Pee-wee's hairdo. Now, here in 2018, they have Pee-wee's hairdo. So you just never know what's going to become chic, what's going to become fabu, as Jim Barnett would say. That's fabu, my boy. I mean, didn't, didn't, I mean, wasn't Pee Wee Herman's haircut just a Caesar? Well, yeah, I guess it was. But it looked nerdy back then, and now it's cool. And I, I don't know, what, what is it? A Caesar? They actually have names for haircuts? Yeah. I mean, Pee Wee was sort of rocking a Caesar. Okay, rocking a Caesar. Okay. What would you call uh, Luger's haircut? Hmm. Cowardly Lion? Okay. <laughs> and we have a lot of southern mullets in the stands. Yes. Uh, and uh, there's a difference between just a mullet and a southern mullet. Uh, believe you me. Well, the southern, the southern mullet is a little greasier. And the, yeah, the end of Southern Mullet is just, you know, right out of Boaz, Alabama. Hmm. You know what? I, I just Googled Southern Mullet. Throw that in your Google machine. Okay. The first hit you're going to get is Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Absolutely. Uh, again, just uh, a brutal match. Luger's forearms were, bless his heart, were terrible. Uh, but he looked apart, and fans were really into it. I mean, we had, we had two guys who would stand up during this match, and you'll see them on the hard, uh, away from the hard camera there, you see one of the stripes and one of the, I mean, they were just really into Lex Luger. They wanted the torture rack. They wanted to see his power. And so that told me that Lex was not the greatest talker, was not the greatest worker, but he was fucking over. So explain to me how he got over. It's hard to explain, isn't it? Isn't it really hard to explain? No, I don't think so. I mean, you guys gave him a push. He gave him a push because he looked good. He thought, man, this can be our Hulk Hogan. Okay, so be our ultimate warrior. But instead of saying, we know something mean, Gene, he pointed his finger and his thumb and he said, intestinal fortitude. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Look, he was... (laughs) But so we could have given Max Muscle the same push and he would have been over too? That's the way pushes work. You push a guy. Okay. I mean, listen, it's true. Yeah. You guys, and don't get me wrong, there is a lot of talent that has to be there, but there's a lot of guys who have talent that we never really see. Yeah, you're right. Because they're just, you know, for whatever reason, not the favorite son. Luger here, you want to guess what he made for 1996? Wow, he probably made a half a million dollars. 443. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't surprise me at all. Old Max Muscle, you got a grasp for what he made in 1996? No, uh, he didn't even make $90,000. No, he did not. He made thirty-one. Wow. Can you imagine this? I'm I'm Max Muscle, and I'm wrestling a guy who's making over $400,000 more than I am. Well, Man. in fairness, how many tickets did Max Muscle sell? I agree. I agree. But some guys may think of that and say, you know what? I'm just going to try to just cinch him up and make him hurt a little bit. I'm going to lay in a forearm just a little bit snugger than normal. 
to this motherfucker. Some guys would think like that. You know, guess what Bagwell made in 96? Uh, he probably made 150000 136 What about Scotty Riggs? Uh, he probably made like 95 51 Okay. So there was probably a little dissension within the American males. Right. I know, I'm sure, that Bagwell let Scotty Riggs know how much he made. What about Nature Boy? Oh, my God. There's another half million, maybe $800,000. Five thirteen nine. Okay. What about Arn? Uh, three fifty. Two hundred, almost on the nose. Oh my God! Really? Yep. Don't you think that that's that's a crime right there? Your main event is going to have Scott Steiner. You know, uh huh. You want to guess? Scott Steiner made uh, three hundred thousand. Sting made five hundred thousand. One fifty six for Whoa. Scott Steiner. And um, this is clearly not the real number. Seventy two thousand for Sting. What? No. Well, step, no. 72000 Yeah. When you add up the licensing and merch, it was eighty-seven grand. but clearly that means he had some other deal going on that's not disclosed here. Yeah, apparently apparently not. Good God. That just, to me, that just takes all the numbers that you just gave me. And bring them all in the question. Yeah. Put some in the shitter. Okay, fans are responding to this. You can't pick them up. Oh, shit. Come on. Come up with me, you son of a bitch. There we go. And Max Muscle is in the torture rack, and he gives up, and Luger wins again. And fans are into it, man. Fans are into it. Luger did a pretty good job of selling the fact that he got a big guy up by falling down. Kind of a small thing. But uh, the fans are into the total package, Lex Luger. Oh, by the way, we're going to be treated with an interview in the ring here in just a moment as well. I'm excited about you covering this. Well, you know, I, I, I thought about it. We're going to get Skeen, uh, Mean Gene into the ring. Uh, and uh, we're going to be pitching him in just a moment as we've got to do that wide shot again. All right. Let's go to Mean Gene. Thanks, Eric. i tell you what. How many times have you said i tell you what in one broadcast, but that doesn't matter? How many more times are you going to shit on Vince McMahon? That doesn't matter. And we do not want to talk about Scott Hall, Razor Ramon coming in here. But I do want to talk about this man, and I'm wasting plenty of time so he can catch his breath, and I don't know if that will even do it because he's pretty blown up right now. The total package, Lex Luger. Lex, you got the television strap around your waist. You and Singer are good friends, and I want to let you know that the fans here are making really respond to you. Thanks. Gene, give me a few moments to get my breath. Okay, we'll give you a few moments to get the breath. We've got the Great American Bash coming up in Baltimore. We can stay Baltimore, but we can't stay Macon. Gene, I just want to let you know that fans have been talking to me and asking me about my right hand. Now, I'll point to myself with my thumb into my peck, as you can see, and I will also draw a line here. Hang on a second. I'm going to draw a line with that right finger. All right. We want you to draw a line with the right finger, but we do want to go back and take a look at some footage of the giant putting you through a table with Ric Flair going apeshit. Yow! Through the table you went. And, you know, most of the boys said that, you know, this guy will not take a bump like this, but I uh, obviously disagree. This happened two weeks ago. We're going to slow it in slow motion. You took actually took a pretty good bump there. Well, I don't like to take bumps, as you know. I don't like to do blade jobs. I'm going to draw a line with my finger. There you go. I don't like to do things that the guys like to do, but you make half a million dollars a year, but that's okay. Because I look good, and I can draw a line with my hands. Here it goes. Whoa, right over. That was kind of an arc, Gene. That wasn't a line. That was an arc. So we'll put that one down in the shitter, and I'll draw a line with my thumb and finger here. As you know, I cannot point without having my thumb opening up. 
There you go. My thumb is up. It's open. I don't know. I guess I'm dyslexic, but the fact is I make a lot of money. Thank you very much. The total package, Lex Luger. Yes, he can take a bump. He doesn't want to do a blade job, but he can take a bump, and he makes half a million dollars this year. Right now, we're going to be going back with more WCW Monday Nitro in just a moment. Vince, I'm glad of where I am right now. What's a pretty good bump that Luger took? Oh, hard work, Bobby Walker. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Shout out to hard work, Bobby Walker, for being part of this discrimination lawsuit in 2000. Now, that's actually what made all of this compensation information we've ran through here possible. Uh, a fellow named David Bixenspan and okay. Chris Harrington actually compiled all the information, going through all these court documents painstakingly, one after another. So shout out to David and Chris for helping make that possible. But the real kudos go to old hard work Bobby Walker, who sued and uh, won a bunch of money here. And I guess um, it's probably his claim to fame, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? I would think, am I right to say, if I remember, that he got his money after the WCW was bought by WWF? Is that right? Uh, In other yeah. words, he didn't get it from Turner Broadcast, and I guess he got it from Vince. It's reported that he received a large payout, but the April 3rd, 2001 ruling would be that WCW had not committed fraud or breached the contract of the plaintiffs. And uh, he did say that the discrimination lawsuit could proceed, but by that point, the WWF owned it. So right. you're exactly right. Vince is the guy who ultimately had to write the check. And the lawsuit alleges, and I guess we should mention, Hardbody Harrison, who was a pimp in prison, and Sonny Ono, um, who once used to pimp Eric Bischoff, were also a part of this lawsuit, and uh, Walker stated that Caucasian opponents were told to make him look bad, and that he was told he would never be a champion, and that he was paid less than a lot of the white wrestlers. He says that the black wrestlers were made to look obnoxious, pompous, and shiftless, and uh, I can only imagine if John Tenta was black, what sort of windfall he would have gotten as they made him paint fucking teeth on his face and shave his head. To me, yeah. if I was arguing on the other side, I'd say, oh, yeah? What about this shit? Look what yeah. they're doing to this guy. Yeah. Well, I would also show this match, too, because Brad Armstrong, who's a consummate pro, as the entire family was, uh, made hard work Bobby Walker look good here and on our first Nitro and put him over. Even when Bobby would try to do his high-risk shit, and he would slip off the top rope doing it. Bobby could do a lot of pretty good things. But... When I Sonny Ono gets involved in this lawsuit, and you know the lawsuit's done now, I know, but doesn't this just seem to you to to kind of smack of a guy's knowing that the ship is going downhill, or and the ship is sinking, and there's not going to be any money for me in the next couple of years, and I better get all of it I can. Yes. Out of it. Yes. Yeah. See, Bobby, Bobby landed on his feet that time. Now watch this. He slips. Whoa! But he has some pretty good stuff. You know, no, nobody else ditched it like that. I don't know why, but you going, whoa! <laughs> I'll do it again here in a minute. Whoa! Why is that fun for me? 
I don't know, a good arm drag, take over, man. Uh, driving the knee down, Bobby was in the power plant. Whoa! He could, well, <laughs> he could do something. It's a bitch, whoa! <laughs> oh, my God, we're just having fun, and there's still like 30 minutes to go on this fucking show. Whoa! Uh, and now Nick's going to remind Bobby, Bobby, you know where the hard cameras are, and Brad's going to know where they are. Drop to a hold. And now into an arm bar. This is where we are. We're calling matches now. <laughs> We're calling matches. This is uh, you got any you got any more uh, got any more numbers you can throw out at me? What was hard work Bobby Walker making? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because thank you. You know the reality is uh, we've talked about some of the silliness in here. Yeah. But that's not in the deal here. Like it's not disclosed what he made. That's what he was suing for. Uh, oh. But. Armstrong, um, he's in here. Okay. Let me find him here. Uh, Brad probably made, unfortunately, Brad probably made like $35,000 knowing what they thought of Brad Armstrong, which was wrong because the kid could perform. $54,349. Jesus. Well, you do realize he was he was the goddamn candy man at one time, and he was a rapping man, so that should have been worth something. He'd do anything, man, and, and Brad could give you a great match and put you Bobby Walker over. My mistake. Bobby Walker made seventy thousand twelve dollars. Oh motherfucker! He made twenty thousand more than Brad Armstrong. Can you believe it? And he's just saying, basically, he's a student out of the power plant. He uh, he filed suit against World Championship Wrestling, TBS, and Terry Taylor, who's the person who told him he'd never win a title. In July of 98, and it was dismissed in January of 99. And then he filed a racial discrimination suit in February of 2000, and it was settled in July of 03. Hmm. So Bobby Walker uh, probably got a pretty damn good payday. He's going he's gonna to go up top again and slip. And whoa! And a cover. And get the win. He got the win here. He got the win. You know the you know the 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 common denominator nominator and all this bullshit is nobody Was fucking it? cared. I mean, look, yeah. the, the crowd goes mild. The, right. There's, there's polite applause, but it's because it's over. Yeah. The thing of it is, is that when you uh, you mentioned Terry Taylor's name, okay? Oh, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Is it Terry shit on Terry Taylor? Yeah, let's shit on Terry. He didn't learn. He's never learned to shut up. Never learned to shut up, and if he had learned to shut up, there may not have been a lawsuit. Fucking red rooster. Why do you think so many people hate Terry Taylor? Uh, I don't know. So many people hate Terry Taylor. Just the no. people that know him. Oh, oh. Here's Eric Bischoff's son. When he was a wee little punk what, kid. That was really Garrett Bischoff. That's Garrett Bischoff. Yep, it sure was. Holy shit, I had no idea. Yeah, really? You didn't know that was Garrett? No, I, I saw the yeah. commercial and made fun of it. Right. But I had no idea that was Garrett Bischoff. And here's Garrett. Oh, with paint on. WCW Magazine on your stands everywhere. Well, uh, I guess it's come down to, do we have the main event yet? No, not yet, we're not, not yet. We got mm -hmm. more dumb shit to get through. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, it may be dumb shit, but he was really. He was, Regal did such subtleties. He was so good at 
like the smoke that he was coming through, Jeeves, you know who Jeeves is, I've mentioned this before, that's Wildcat Willie, uh, our mascot that he would use as Jeeves. You know, he looked over at the Ric Flair set up there uh, and uh, thumbs down to Lord Stephen Regal, but that lady wants thumbs up. Love Steve Regal, man. You know what's funny is we always talk about Arn Anderson as being a guy who has been the same age for 30 years. I feel like Steve Regal here was 42, and he's still 42. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's really like 24 here. By the way, he's coming out here with Barnett's favorite wrestler. Yes, sir. I'll let you do some commentary here. Das Wunderkin, Alex Wright, and I will wear the key line pants, and I will wear the big codpiece, and it will show off my joint, and you will like it. Oh! Flip-flop in the ring. I just came from the back where Jim Barnett put the coats on me. And now I'll go up against... <laughs> I can't do this shit without laughing. Steve Regal. Wrestle with me, Steve Regal. Look at my rear end. Look how it looks in the key line pants. <laughs> I have a nice, tight German rear end. <laughs> Did you say German really? <laughs> from the from the motherland or the fatherland or both, whatever you want to call it. The fatherland. It's the fatherland? I thought it was the motherland. I didn't know there was such a thing as the fatherland. <laughs> I know now. I didn't know. Okay. Good go behind. Good on drag takedown. But let me hoist my ass up in the air because it's key lime as you know there it is it's up in the air for everybody to see why, I'm gonna, well, why are you saying why are you calling his ass a flavor <laughs> it's, that's what the color is it's, it's key lime it's not a flavor it's a color no col key lime is not a color you're, you're yes calling, it is a color too no you're, it's like yellow or green it's not a color yes there's a color called lemon too there's a color orange. It's also a fruit. I just can't believe. Say, you've, you've, you've ruined my, uh, you've ruined my momentum here. Where was oh, I? I don't mean to. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I roll through and I kip up and I roll through again and yes, back into the fatherland <laughs> with my key lime trunks and my cod piece. And right now, Jim Barnett is back in the men's room, uh, whacking off. Somewhere. Good headlock takedown and another one. Oh, down he goes. Yes. Back in my home country, I was a big star. What does he do now, by the way? Does anybody know? Does he still wrestle? No, I don't think so. But, I mean, he has done stuff not too terribly long ago. But, um, you know, it's one of those sort of what ifs. I mean, at this yeah. point, he's only 43 years old now. Uh -huh. And by comparison, you know, because I know a lot of people think of him as being like from a different era. AJ Styles is 40. You know what I mean? So Alex Wright is not like this old dude. Yeah. Alex Wright, I thought, I thought if Alex Wright, oh my God, screeching hot here, is an old commentary ninja. Prepare yourself for Guaysha. That's right. Blood runs cold. We spent millions of dollars on this shit. You would think that we would have somebody that could play the part. Glacier coming to WCW. Hey! 
Alex Wright's a wrestling promoter now for New European Championship Wrestling in Germany for, I guess, like nine years. Here's what I think about Alex Wright. Had Alex Wright gone to the WWF at this moment, he would have been a big star. They would have made him into something. Don't you think? They could have. I, I, I just think the kid looked too good and did, did some good stuff. I mean, he did. I, I, I was always amazed that, you know, I mean, of course, you know, with, we made him Berlin and we changed his character. And, but I just always thought that there's something could have been done with Alex Wright, and we just kind of missed the boat on that. Yeah. And I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, but I just feel we could have. Too bad. He would have been a big star with the WWE. It is too bad. Because I think a lot of people share that same opinion that he would have been a big star. And you look at almost everybody else, you know, that we've seen tonight, and one way or another, they were. You know, I mean, Regal was there, had some success, obviously. Alex Wright, of course, did not. But he's the exception. You know, Scott Steiner was there. Sting was there. Although it was much later. You know, the Giant. You know, it's weird. Yeah. There's like there's certain guys that are just really just WCW guys. I mean, Buff Bagwell was there for a cup of coffee, but Buff could have been a big deal there too. Buff? Yeah, you know what? Buff was uh, a difficult guy. No, I know he was. I'm not. I'm saying attitudes aside. I'm not I'm right. Saying, not saying that you know he need, he was going to get it the way he was. I mean, I do think you have to. Right, you get what I mean. Right, because so much we could do, we could do with with Alex Wright that we didn't do. But uh, again, you know, Regal does such a good job of making everything look so legit. I mean, he was uh, on the other side there. You know, Regal just everything he did. You know, we've we've seen the match with he and Fit Finley, the famous match from Uncensored. But be that as it may, being that a shoot match, every every other match, everything looked good, man. Yeah. I mean, look. How many? Uh, what did what did uh, what did our buddy Meltzer think about this? Was this close to anything in Japan? It's not no, wrestling for him. He wasn't rating matches on TV like this. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. No, I mean he does say that um, Regal and Wright on paper should have been a good match, but it wasn't. But okay. that's all he says. All right. All right. Uh, you you will like this because I know you're obsessed whenever he talks about Japan. He's going to talk about the. Uh, Scott Steiner match, and he says, Steiner wrestled like he was in New Japan, and the fans yeah. of Macon need a few decades to catch up to that. Uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, holier than now, and way above, because I'm from California, which is closer to Japan than Macon, Georgia. He gave this match that we're watching right now yeah. a star and a quarter. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't spend a lot of time like. Right well, you know, sometimes I, I think, you know, you can look at matches and say, you know what, it's not a good match because the show's not been good, and here I'm watching now, you know, an uh, hour and a half into the show or so, or not, a little bit over an hour into the show, uh, not including commercial breaks, and the show sucks, so this match just sucks with it, but this match is pretty technically sound. It really is. I mean, both guys are doing a lot of good stuff. They messed up that spot a little bit, but uh, they're they're and they messed up that spot. Well, never mind. <laughs> well, there's a good drop kick though. 
but they did some pretty good things in this match, and it's 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 tough to shit on a match when you know I don't know how long the match went. I'm sure it didn't go you know much more than five or six minutes. Uh, and the a lot of time they did some pretty good things. It's a fun story that they're telling here, you know, with um, the wrestling. I was always a big fan of, of Steve Regal, and I know that he didn't really like the match, but he, I, mean, I'm, I guess I'm like you in that I'm fascinated with Regal's matches. He, he adds an air of believability. I was never a huge Alex Wright fan, but I certainly saw what other people saw, and that he could have been, especially when you consider how young he is here. You know, we're talking about a guy who's 43 now, and this show... It's 22 fucking years ago, so yeah, it seems crazy to believe, but this dude's 21, you know? Yeah, and it is crazy, and he looked good, and it was there was a lot of good things in this match. I just, uh, I don't understand why. I'm almost kind of, <laughs> when I go back and look at this now, and I see Randy Anderson talking to Steve Regal, I almost wonder if that really was the finish. If Regal just said, let's end it fucking now, I'm tired of it. You know, Regal was a perfectionist, and I guess that's what makes him, makes him so good with NXT and doing what he's doing, because if there was one bad thing uh, in the match, uh, he was very upset about it. He, he, he likes perfection. So he probably just says, I'm just going to pin his ass right here and get it over with. And in reality, Alex Wright couldn't have gotten out of that if it was a shoot fight. Right. All right. We had PlayStation as a sponsor back then, man. How about that? It's a pretty big deal. Hey, you're not kidding. It's a big deal. Absolutely, it's a big deal. All right. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit, Steve Riggle, about uh, the state of the WWE right now because, as you probably know, SmackDown's going to move to Fox for a billion dollars. Not a million, a billion dollars. You're trying to tell me that Fox has paid a billion dollars and my salary is still going to be $20,000 a year. What the fuck is wrong with this picture, you little bold fuck? Let me say this. SmackDown moving to Fox for a billion dollars just again proves the point that I have trained wrestlers the right way. That I have taken wrestlers down to the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, regardless of that fucking Terry Taylor working with us. And made them into the stars they are today. The fact is, I tell all the stars this. Bust your ass. Make sure that your character is good. Work hard. Make sure you're always in shape. Work on your promos. But in the end, Vince McMahon will make all the money, not you. Thank you very much, Lord Stephen Regal. I know these people don't give a shit about that. And I don't give a shit about that because right now, by the time he made a billion dollars, I was about 85 years old and looking every bit of it. Well, let me say this, you bald, short motherfucker. SmackDown will be moving to Fridays, and that means that we will be in direct competition with Major League Wrestling on BN Sports on Fridays, and that's fine with us because our announcers is not a fat, round, little, sawed-off fuck whose time has come like Tony Schiavone. And do I need to say anything more? Schiavone says he's my friend, but fuck him. And while I'm at it, Gene, fuck you. Okay, I get it. Fuck me. Fuck you. And that's the way it is from Lord Stephen Regal. Well, uh, 
We have a lot more to come, including our main event. And that's up next. Can you believe there's going to be a billion dollars for SmackDown? I can. Really? Well, let's run through that. And, and I want to really talk about this. A billion, a billion dollars? Yeah. And I'm about to blow your mind. Let me look at this here. Have you and Bruce talked about this? Yeah. All right, so here we go. You and I, when we debut our show. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. When we debuted our show, the stock price for WWE was $19.50. Okay. A year and a half later, you and I have gotten the stock price to $58.08. They have experienced three times growth based on what you and I have done for this company, personally. I'm taking all the credit for us. All right. $19.50 is where they started. So that's like, I'm going to call that, um, I'm going to call that BC, before Conrad and Tony. Okay. And now, we'll call that uh, after uh, AWHW. After okay. WHW. They're at $58.08. Wow. You know, I think we did, you know, you, you you probably can't do this because you and Bruce have sold out, but I think we ought to just go up to Titan Towers and, and get a meeting and say, Motherfucker, look what we've done for you. Motherfucker. You, you know, you can do the, all the business talking, all right, and all the uh, the uh, the money and everything, and I'll just sit there and say, Mother, I'll just sit there and say, Motherfucker. Right. Well, that makes sense to me. You just say something, I'll say, Yeah, Motherfucker. And then you say something else. I say, yeah, motherfucker. You know, it's all the way you say motherfucker. Is it? I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you can say motherfucker or motherfucker or motherfucker. It's just the way, you know, the inflections. I mean, but when you think, I mean, if you've had somebody say, you know what, guys, we want you to come in as outsiders, just like Scott Hall is here on this night show. Okay. And we want you to create interest in our network. Right. And drive new fans to our old product, right? Because, I mean, let me just tell you, Tony, people are going to dispute my claim that it was me and you that made this stock price rise. But let me ask you this. Was it Roman Reigns? Fuck no, motherfucker. So what's more likely to believe? Hit your word, Tony. Okay. Motherfucker. Is it Conrad and Tony? Motherfucker! Or is it Roman Reigns? Motherfucker. So, I'm just saying. I feel like we need a t-shirt that's got the uh, the uptick of the stock. <laughs> and the t-shirt says, you're welcome, Motherfucker. Benny. Motherfucker. <laughs> you're welcome, motherfucker. You know, I think uh, over the weekend, we debuted our most popular shirt in the history of the show. Um, of course, we've got multiple multiple new items that we need to talk about. We, we do have new shirts over at LoisRules.com. We haven't talked about that yet, but we've got two sites we want you to check out today because LoisRules.com has a shirt that we sort of freestyled that we wanted, and we didn't think people would actually dig it, and they did. Yeah, they did. 
Tell everybody what it is. Yeah, it, it just was one of those little ad libs that I do and I've done, and you never know what we say on the show is going to be good, but as you probably know, you can't fake hepatitis. You can't fake hepatitis is a real fucking shirt, guys. <laughs> At LoisRules.com. I can't believe it's a shirt. I can't say this was my idea. But I will say that it's available now at LoisRules.com. Now, I do have other silly ideas. And Where do you have a... They're over right now at BoxyGimmicks.com. And one of these silly ideas is a Slap Dick Nation sticker. Have you seen the sticker? I have seen the Slap Dick Nation sticker. And I've got to get one for the car. I, I, I think it's pretty fun. We've also got... Um, I love you for that, which is I heart you for that. Uh, if you're a fan of um, the other show, we talk about hashtag drop top titty tip and time. We've got hashtag <laughs> DTTTT on a shirt. But number one with a bullet and it ain't even close is the parody of the old Death Row album uh, or Death Row Vibe magazine where it's got pictures of Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Tupac, and then down at the bottom is Suge Knight. And now, instead of Death Row, we have Podcast Row, with Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, and yours truly, striking a pose just like the old famous Death Row graphic. And it's fitting that Chris McDonald made you Tupac because you recently blessed us with your favorite Tupac song. Right. I know a lot of people were like, how the fuck is Tony Tupac? Well, we just covered why Tony is Tupac. So if you haven't seen the shirt, go to com. It might be the funniest shirt we've ever had. Don't you think? I, th- I think it's one of the great things that I've seen. It really is, since you and I have been doing this. And you know why I'm Tupac on that? Because I'm a cool motherfucker! See how I said motherfucker? That, that how I did that inflection of motherfucker? I'm a cool motherfucker! Motherfucker? Can you believe that there's a shirt that not only says hashtag BTTTT, but it also says drop top titty tip and time? <laughs> and we've got asterisks over the I-T-T-Y or the I-T-T. This has been such a great ride, man. And, and I, hope, I hope everybody's enjoying what we're doing. Thank you for your support. And as we said earlier, we've got a lot more coming your way, hopefully, for you to enjoy. Uh, we have now been uh, talking through the fact that uh, Scott... Steiner and Sting have come in kind of color-coordinated with Diamond Dallas Page and with Das Wunderkind. Everybody is in a key lime mood, which, by the way, is a color, not a flavor. Mm. Motherfucker. I'm, uh, I'm, going, I'm going color. I mean, I'm okay. going flavor. Okay. Do you like key lime pie? Oh, that's my favorite. I'm a fan guy. And I'm going to tell you my favorite for sure. Is uh, key lime and um, lemon meringue, and the meringue. Oh man, lemon meringue. Oh, are you oh. in on that? Oh man, Lois's mom. Oh, I can beat uh, it. I can beat it. You uh, know that little place I took you to breakfast that was a, technically a barbecue yes. place. Yes. They're known for their pies, and they have yep. the best lemon meringue pie you've ever eaten, and it'll smash your mother-in-law's. I can't do it. I can't do it unless I do like three workouts in that day of uh, DDP yoga. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be slim. It'll be slim by the time I get to Chicago. Hey, well, you know, one of the things we were talking about for Patreon is you were going to film the road trip. Right. Like road trips. And so I was originally thinking you were going to fly to Chicago, and 
right, since I booked your flight and whatever. But now you're like, uh, might actually be fun if yeah. we did a road trip, which actually makes a lot of sense. But we'd have to do it in a rental car so you could fly back and get to your other engagements. But a road trip from what happened when with some what? passengers in the back seat that yeah. randomly appear. Yeah, cause we we could we could do our own karaoke and blow all the other karaoke's away. We could do our comedians with coffee and cars and blow all that away, right? I, I mean, I'm liking what you're doing here. Yeah, I'm just uh, and I and I've got the GoPro now. I've got that, so we go. Oh, we can do it. Uh, I don't know what people thought about this match. I, I personally thought this match did not live up to the the anticipation of it. It's no fault of anybody's here. But I just didn't think it did. Uh, the end was pretty cool with Luger coming out and with uh, Robbie coming out, or of course, school board coming out. Yeah, but, uh, we need to get, we need to get back on our gimmicks here. We're not, this is not Scott Steiner. It's hand cubes. Oh, hand cubes. And you know the uh, Starline. Yes, theme song. <laughs> when I watched this earlier this week, I said, "You know what would work for that?" And he said, yeah. "What's that?" And I said, "No sideburn." <laughs> And he said, well, I got one better. Yeah. Hot buffet! Hot buffet! Hot buffet! Hot buffet! And can I add, motherfucker! See, is kind of like what the fuck. You can use it in any situation and it works. I'm glad I could teach you guys some degenerate language here today before our show ends. I think everybody who's listening to this show has heard the word motherfucker before motherfucker. Right, right. <laughs> I believe so, too. I love you're over here taking credit for creating motherfucker. I just uh, put up with Bruce Pritchard yeah. claiming all kinds of credit for John Cena's success. Really? On something else to wrestle, which airs this Wednesday on the WWE Network. We covered John Cena, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I signed him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I discovered him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I pushed for him to be the rapper gimmick. Yep. I mean, he, he's taking credit for all of that. And meanwhile, what? you're over here. I created Motherfucker. I'm taking well, Motherfucker. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking credit for using Motherfucker, and he's taking credit because he's an office stooge about creating a star. It's a little, little bit different than a fat announcer and an office stooge. Two different things. You weren't, didn't you have a, a spot in the office, and didn't you say everything that Bischoff came up with was a good idea? Uh, uh, yeah. And didn't you once call and, and tattle about Steve Austin's phone call? No, I didn't tattle. He said, well, he says for me to tell you that he's not there. Look at that tombstone out of nowhere from Sting. What a maneuver. <laughs> thanks thanks for changing the, uh, the line of commentary there in midstream. Well, uh, that's what you like to do. So here's my question, I guess. Okay. You stooged off the Vader-Orndor fight. You stooged off Austin not wanting to talk to Bischoff, even though he was there in the back drinking beer with his buddies. I mean, it's a little unfair for you to call Bruce Pritchard an office stooge when you yourself have said, oh, yeah, whenever they would ask me if something was a good idea, I would say it was great. Can I uh, respond to that with a line we've been using? Fuck you, Who's, motherfucker. No, no. Whose side are you on here, motherfucker? There you go. Okay. Well, I'm on Bruce's. Uh, <laughs> fairly, fairly slow because he makes you the most money. 
Well, I, I think you have that backwards. I think I make him the most money. Okay. Because <laughs> if we're honest, everybody knows that Bruce Pritchard's a lazy motherfucker. Right. And he's right. just sitting up there in, in, in Friendswood, Texas, yeah. waiting on my Skype noise to go off on his phone. And then he says, yeah. oh, hang on. i got to go do work. I'll be back. I'm going to say doop, doop, doop. Goddamn, pal. I'll be back in about three hours. <laughs> and then he just makes shit up for three hours yeah. and occasionally yells, fuck Dave Meltzer, and the, yeah. checks, the checks keep coming. Well, as truth be known, if it wasn't for Conrad Thompson, Bruce Pritchard, Tommy Schiavone, probably Eric Bischoff would probably be on welfare right now. Oh, my God. Listen to you. <laughs> let's, let's go. Oh, let's bring in hard work Bobby Walker. He's going to settle down with the situation. And let's bring in Josh Wonderkin. And here comes the American males. The American males. American males. Clap. I've got the clap. I'll give you I the clap. That clap was for angels. You can get the clap. For five ninety nine, an hour of my time. <laughs> Clap forever, an hour of my time. Clap forever, a doctor's visit and penicillin. It's American Males. <laughs> oh, it is. No side burns. No side burns. burns. <laughs> Motherfucker. I'm the face. Okay, now so now we're going to come to the point that we uh, that I think was very was handled very very well. By Eric and him, uh, him being Heenan. Uh, Eric had set it up by saying, "We do have an extra mic here for you, Bobby. If your mic goes bad, he set that up purposely so this didn't look staged with the mic." Uh, and then Scott Hall comes in and says, "You want a war? You got a war." And the war began. And this is uh, Scott Hall's walk-in at the beginning of the show, or about 20 minutes into the show, was a big deal. But what he said here was a big deal as well. You want a war, you got a war. And that kicked it off, I think. Hey, you've been running your mouth, and we're sick of it. Uh-huh. Get your best three guys, because we're coming. Right. And Bischoff's pressing, who is we? And yeah. uh, he's like, you know who we are. Good stuff. Good. A, a, a good step back in time for what made... Monday Night Wars, what they were. And I know people had sides. I understand that. But I just hope that, well, no, I don't hope that. I know this the start of a great, a great run for the, for the sport that I don't think the sport has seen. And I do know there's a lot more money in the sport going on now. He did a good job of looking away. But this made the sport what it was in the 90s. And was, it was the beginning of hell. One of the great runs that I had in my life as an announcer. And and listen, uh, I'm going to do some sucking up here, okay? Yeah. Uh, this would have never happened, would have never happened without Eric Bischoff. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have happened with Bill Watts. It wouldn't have happened with Bob Dew. It wouldn't have happened with Kit uh, Fry. It wouldn't have happened with the guy damn Jim Hurd. This happened because Eric Bischoff had a vision. Dusty Rhodes used to always say, he would say, Bischoff has the vision that no one else had. So, yeah, say what you want to do about Eric Bischoff, but this is all him right here. Now, you've got to have the players to make it work, right? And I understand that. But you've got to have a guy with an idea and a guy willing to push that idea. And he had plenty of ideas that probably could have gone a little bit further had it not been him working for a bunch of shitheads like TBS. Well, that's going to wrap up. 
this very special Monday Night Nitro edition. Of course, this is the first two-hour episode, and most famously, where Scott Hall showed up to kick off the NWO. And I feel like we need to uh, put a bug in everybody's ear. Jim Crockett Promotions for the entire month of June. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Come check us out on Patreon. We're really excited about this because it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time, and that's give you more content. And the way we're doing it is through video. So we're going to recap exactly how we're going to do it. But the show we're going to be watching next week, that I want to encourage you to watch ahead of time in case you can't listen and watch along with us, is June 7th, 1986. So go fire up the WWE Network, June 7th, 1986, NWA World Championship Wrestling is what we're going to be covering.